are listening to the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast with your hosts, Corey Draper and Jeff Hughes. What a bastard! Didn't know what happened to him there. My word, Anderson can't believe that he's beside himself with anger. And Tully Blanchard is beside himself almost unconscious. Good down-home cheating. Good down-home good down cheating. Sure. Welcome back for another week of the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast. I'm Corey Draper here with Jeff Hughes. Not just any week, because this week is my week, baby. Number one, 50 plus one, that's me. I turned <laughs> half a century, plus one, level plus up. One. That's right, attack one, hits. It's the birthday week. Damage. Yes, and I got a particular present. That I thought was the worst present ever. I got an Ultimate Warrior doll. Uh-oh. What? Okay, so I... <laughs> but it gets better, folks. When I say doll, <laughs> I don't actually mean, you know, the uh, the cuddly buddies with the arms that, you know, uh, everybody had at the wrestling matches. Remember the pillow? Yeah, yeah, you know, the wrestling buddies. Yeah, wrestling buddies? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I never had one of those. They, 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 <laughs> no. But a lot of people did, and they brought them to the matches. But... There is a new toy out there which does combine two things that are dear to me. Masters of the Universe, the toy line, which we, we've, re- we've referenced that often when we talk about He-Man. Yeah. Paul, Mr. Wonderful or- Orndorf is often when we you know end That's up talking right. about. But as of late, I've realized how Tony Atlas, you know, is even bigger than the He-Man. He'd be the Triclops. He's the the bigger figure with more muscles. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. They actually, he's even got a... Anyway, so what I got was this, um, it looks like a He-Man and the Masters of the Universe toy, but it's actually the Ultimate Warrior. And he he does definitely fit into this whole world, you know, quite easily. It is the Masters of the WWE Universe, Ultimate Warrior. (laughs) Includes comic, and it's got a whole bunch of different languages. And he's got the same style armor that He-Man wore. So, you know, that's pretty cool. I guess, like, he would be almost like their... He's the lead in this, you know, Ultimate Warrior as He-Man. Like, wow, okay, they're giving him the the big props. Actually, that's better than Hogan. I'm going to admit now, that's better than Hogan as as, uh, He-Man, because it doesn't fit. Yeah, not really, no. No. So I'll have to say, good choice of of all their wrestlers (laughs) if they had to pick He-Man. But, and I thought this is, you know, at first my heart sank a little bit because I just thought, he's, for all the money that he generated and all the classic matches that he was involved with, I don't have the highest opinion of the Ultimate Warrior. I don't want to be too hard on the guy. Yeah. You know, he he looks like he went out with class, that's for sure, you know, and, and like, you know. God love him and his family and stuff like that. But there appear to be many times in his career where he was much more self-centered than you would like from someone that, you know, you've got to work with. And, you know, anyway. So at first I'm like, well, I don't want any Ultimate Warrior figs, you know? That's right, yeah. I mean, like, give me a Jake the Snake fig. And I'll be like, (laughs) ah. But I do have, like, a little toy collection like any proper Peter Pan, you know? (laughs) Looking over there, I've got Street Fighter 2, Sesame Street, Fantastic Four, The Simpsons, Aliens, Tintin, (laughs) Green Lantern, Green Arrow, uh, Yosemite Sam, Ghostbusters, Towley, Lego, Indiana Jones. You know, (laughs) this is my nerd town, right? So after all that, I'm going to say I'm very selective. That's right. <laughs> Very particular. Yes. The shelf is only so big. Okay, so we'll, I'll get into it. We want to see the other figs. We did this with the stretchies, the Mr. Stretchums. That's right. <laughs> and so I just looked up that Randy Savage they cast as, I don't quite remember his name, but he was the leader of, uh, of the, the NWO faction. So there was <laughs> He-Man, 
the leader of the faces, and then Skeletor, the leader of the heels. But then a new bad guy faction showed up, the Horde, Uh and the leader of the Horde, I can't remember his name, but he had sort of a Nosferatu thing going on. Right, right. And he had a bunch of new bad guys with with different, like, one guy had a little spray bottle pump, and he was like, Venom Sprayer guy. (laughs) He wasn't Stinkor? (laughs) They did that with, yeah, they did it twice. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But that one probably had the spray come out his butt. The first guy was like a lizard. or something, yeah. Yeah, The first guy had like a, you know, breath weapon. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. You know, like dragony He-Man villain. Yes. Or snaky He-Man villain. But anyway, they, they got more right. creative with what they would do for the toys because there was a prototype and you could mix and match their arms. And then they had very unique ones like Ram Man was actually had a spring in it. And yeah, I was, had him for sure. Yeah. yeah, he didn't. I don't think his arms even moved. He was, no, they were totally like, yeah, locked in place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he did have a pretty good finisher. You got to admit. <laughs> That's right. and you could pile drive that guy and he's like, wouldn't feel it. He was like Hawk of the Road Warriors. He'd just get right up and look at you and then do his. Uh, anyway, so let's. Let's find out the other heels and faces from the this um, world. It's licensed by the WWE, and I, th- I think my brother said it was available at Walmart. So let's check it out. Who else we got? Okay. So uh, that's Kane. Oh, yeah, Kane. Okay, I'm that's... A, I'm sure it's a different character, but kind of looks like a Beast Man kind of character, right? Eh? Like... Yeah, that's fair. I'd say Beast Man, does it? Yeah. It, uh, we're going to have to speculate because it doesn't quite say, yeah, okay? We're, we're too lazy to look this up in advance. And Kane's, you know... Um, We'll talk about Kane. I don't know if we'll ever get around to Kane, Dr. Isaac Yankum. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I'm sure at some point we'll find a reason yeah. to talk about newer things. It's not zooming oh. in on this guy. I don't know who this is. Oh, ridiculous. Oh, it's it's uh, it's Goldberg. <laughs> Goldberg as Ram Man. Oh, yeah, that makes he's got, sense. Like, he's got like the, yeah, the shoulder and the helmet yeah. and everything. Yeah. But it looks like they gave him um, movable arms. Yeah. Okay, okay so this obviously we're, lear- we're learning that this uh, scans the generations. I bet okay, you there's a... Sh- Piper as, come on, what do we got here? Yeah. What? He doesn't look like a... Yeah, he doesn't really have much of... He, I mean, he's got the He-Man style he figure, bar- but bar- I mean, like... He's just his kilt is barbarian style. He's got axe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, look at Mr. Mr. T! <laughs> as Fisto! Mr. T is Fisto, the big golden fist. <laughs> and well, you here, know... Here you go. Here you go, Jeff. This is Mr. T's chance to kick some ass. <laughs> yes, at last. Look, they gave him both Fisto's fist and the judo chop guy's hand. Yeah, that's right. Because the, the heels had Fisto and the... No, the faces had Fisto <laughs> and the heels had judo or something. Yeah. And he, he did... Okay, what do we got? Is, that's, this, is that John, oh, John Cena? John Cena, yeah. He's got like the see-through body, you know. Like, okay, know. so this... I think that's some kind of droid that was a bit of a later issue. Yeah, it's got uh, a shield. He man, so I didn't. Maybe. I mean, I, five bucks for these figures. Jeez, what? Yeah, poor kids. Got to go get a job when you're like four to start buying these toys. Yeah. Did we? What have we got in this a ring? And there's who's in the ring? Oh, there's a different style John Cena. He looks more like actual John Cena. He's got like a t-shirt yeah. armor. T-shirt and, armor. <laughs> yeah, and he, he, t-shirt and what is this Triple H? Triple H with crazy yeah, hands. <laughs> okay, I really don't know what's going on. So there. weird. They have a ring. Like, did we guy? see? We saw everything in the top rope. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. Are you, okay. Um, oh, Braun that's really Strowman. New. Yeah, he's. Uh, he passed away, didn't he? No, no, no oh. I don't think so. I think he's still wrestling. I don't okay. know. I don't watch current wrestling, so if he's passed away, I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, no, he's a huge guy. He's got these weird claw things too. He's kind Against of the rock. That looks like the rock in the picture. Something. What, yeah. what you see is you see a figure, and then beside them is like an is the sort of illustration. The illustration of the comic book that comes with it, and, and yeah. so sometimes you see a second character. So that's where we're seeing the rock. We haven't actually seen this figure. I didn't yet. open this and look at the character yet. Sometimes in the back of a packaging, they'll show you other figures that are available, but I didn't recognize any one of them. But now that now I can see that indeed. Here's 
Speed. your ultimate warrior figure, so we'll skip over that because we've already talked about it. And then this is going to be like a little Rey Mysterio. Uh-huh. He just kind of looks like Rey Mysterio. And yeah. the fact that he's super jacked. Yeah, he doesn't. Oh, I know. Oh, there he is. He's supposed to be um, the bird guy. Oh, yeah, the flying guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The flying guy. One thing that I liked about him back in the day was that you could get him with the blue feathers or the red feathers. Okay. And you just didn't, you know, they, they released the different versions. So he was a flying face. And I, but we're getting his name. Oh, Roman Reigns. Yeah. Um, there's some lady. Some, some who's, guy. Uh, there was an evil sorceress woman. I don't know who. And there's a blonde wrestling female. I don't know who Let's that skip is. Skip over. Which one's this one? Oh, this is Randy Savage. It's the one we already saw. It's just in the package. Okay. This one. Oh, there's a bunch side by side, maybe. Yeah, some protective cases. What's that, what's that about? <laughs> oh, those are the original. Yeah, know. those are actual He-Man. There's Bumblebee. Oh, guy right, the Master Universe. They're not, right, uh, Stratos. Okay, so Stratos was a flying guy. Jiu-Jitsu had a golden karate chop hand. What? Did they just call him Bumblebee? He was like <laughs> Jim Brunzel and B. Brian Blair. Whoa, there was an obvious one. <laughs> if they right. didn't, I guess they weren't I, big enough uh, names yeah. to <laughs> make figures up here in 2023. Well, wait a minute. That's got to be a uh, Bret Hart. Bret Hart. Yeah. <laughs> He's okay. like coming through a portal, so he and attacking yeah. Stone Cold, <laughs> who's got like snakes for his hands, <laughs> the rattlesnake. <laughs> wow. Okay. Doesn't like not a very good drawing of uh, Stone Cold. No, and I'm not like sure a... who he's supposed to be from the yeah. comics there, yeah, but, but probably that's... somebody because they most yeah, of them. Yeah, we've seen almost all a... these guys except for whoever this is. I don't know who that is. Yeah, they the girl wrestler. Yeah, they got a mask on, so we can't even tell. And let's see if we can find any other ones. These are pretty funny. Of course, Jeff and I are like wanting like eighties. Eighties. <laughs> what do we got here? Who's this? Oh, Sergeant, Sergeant Slaughter. Slaughter. <laughs> As Man at Arms. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, for but sure. Wait, what's that? What? Slaughter. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, and that's but that's Ultimate Warrior. He yeah, man. Slaughter and Warrior renewing their ninety-one feud, but yeah. uh, apparently as friends who turned on each other because Man yes. at Arms is always He Man's buddy. Correct. But that would be, that's how you do it, though. You gotta have the good angles of the trails. This is stupid. It's making me like go back and all the way out every time now. Okay, well, that's probably what a half an hour on wrestling toys we can move on. (laughs) But that was fun. So maybe I won't be so quick to uh, poo the toy. Yeah. It looks like there's uh, some enjoy. Well, if if nothing else, looking up what it was gave you a good. Yeah, ten to fifteen minutes of laughing. Well, yeah, I, we recorded here. I thought it was going to be all classic. You know, I didn't. They should, you know, with all respect the the Braun Strowman guy. Like, yeah. you know, these are toys from the eighties. Come on. Yeah, I just think it's it's come on. it's a corporate decision. Come on. And they got to they got to promote. I'm Tommy you know, Rogers. Come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Current stuff is always the best stuff. You know, like yeah. as a company, they have to. Um, yeah, so that pushed it a little bit. With uh, I was almost willing to give them Kane. You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 but not Stroman. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. too new, that's too new for definitely. us. Definitely for not for these. Too new for our taste. Yeah, for the 1980s toys. Okay, we got a lot of business to get to. We've got a bunch of matches to cover. We've decided to like sort of you know to make this work. We've really picked four matches that we're going to cover in our more legendary wrestling obsession style, like you know blow by blow, and then a couple other matches we'll kind of highlight a bit more key, and then some matches we're really going to ru- rush through because like a Dick Slater versus Iron Mike Sharp match just you know isn't going to be as important as these other matches to us. So, of course, I, we're going to... I am going to move the microphone. Preferably while Corey's not talking. Ow. Oh, <laughs> God damn it, Penguin. <laughs> I hope you're all out there renting or watching the Blues Brothers. That's right, yes. <laughs> okay, so what we, have, what we have to get through here, really quick correction section. We'll try and speed that up. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the information about this event. 
Uh, there's a website out there that's really handy. It's really cool. It's MaplelefWrestling.com, kind of referring to that Toronto area wrestling. And they collect, uh, they have collected a lot of great information on different cards and events. So there's a great page on the big event and some newspaper clippings from the day and some really great stuff. Won't have time to really dive too deep into it, but just, you know, get a good reference. Get into the card, review the card, and then, you know, there's a few few pieces of business at the end. So I think I like that corrections section, but you got to say it like Dusty Rhodes. It's like, <laughs> it's, I'm going through the states. We're going to do correction sections all through Atlanta, <laughs> down the Mississippi River. Rick Flair, correction section. Okay. And as always, corrections, you know, the stuff we talk about here doesn't have to be correcting something that's wrong. It couldn't be just sort of like an unanswered question or maybe something that we found out more about. So uh, we talked about Inoki and like, you know, just kind of just confirming, yes, he, you know, he founded New Japan Wrestling in 1972 until 2005 when he sold his shares. 72, special yeah. year. There you go. 50 plus one. 50 plus one, yes. <laughs> Shea Stadium. So we were right and we were wrong. <laughs> it was a multi-purpose facility. Uh-huh. It's a really unique shape thing. And uh, it was home of the Mets until 2008. Huh. And then also the New York Jets until 1983. Huh. And the stadium was demoed in 2009, so it no okay. longer exists. They had to make room for more parking. Okay, so what... How was I actually wrong? You were wrong. We said, we were like, is it a football stadium or a baseball stadium? And I made a joke that it was a rock, paper, scissors right. stadium. And we weren't really sure. We kind of thought it was maybe a, like a baseball stadium or something or whatever it right. was we said. Either way, we were we were right and wrong no matter what we said. Yes, <laughs> If yes. we guessed between the two because it was yes. both. Yes, yes. Very liberal use of we's and me's and I's and you's and they's. <laughs> I'm bulletproof. Nope. Stainless. No. Genius. <laughs> okay. The Killer Bees came out to the music... Men Without Shame by Phantom Rocker and Slick. I've never heard of that band, but <laughs> that's, Slick. that's his first <laughs> step right. into the business. He's like, yeah, he's playing tambourine in this track. Get a foot in the door. <laughs> Sticking with the uh, the music, when I made reference to Orndorff coming out to some music, he came out to a song called I'm a Fighter, Van Zant. Wow, Van Zant's like pretty famous. Like that, they well, put a lot of big hits. He part, he was part of Van Zant. I can I, only I'm, think of um, the, the people from Leonard Skinner. Like yeah, I think I think Van Zant's like a like a like a separate project, let's say. But okay. it also has some pretty big. Like when I looked at the the list of songs from there were Van Zant songs. There's there were some big some big hits. Oh, yeah. okay then. That's a, I did not know that. I mean, yeah. uh, we love the Van Zant family because um, you know the fabulous Freebirds came out to. The song Freebird. I mean, this, this is the most pure rock and wrestling connection that there is. And, yeah. the, and it's all about the Van Zant family. <laughs> Absolutely. Ronnie Van Zant. Okay, we're uh, going to yeah. gonna close up this section so we can close up a hole and the hole in my brain that couldn't let me re- remember the exact hand positioning, which is why I didn't want to say too much, on the Northern Light Suplex. Okay, so, go on. This is what I knew. It was I knew Aurora Borealis. That's right. I knew about fifty percent of it, but when I was I wasn't sure about the positioning. So essentially, a Northern Light Suplex. You're in front of the person. They basically would almost have you in a front face lock, and you've got your hands around their waist, and then you do you flip them over to you, and you do like a back bridge. So like you've got okay. them pinned, and you're like in a total. You're totally so like, like in you're, a bridge, face to face, and then yes. you put the guy in, in that kind of headlock. Yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. Yeah. Not a side. Well, he's got. He's got. He's way. got you. Your head's oh. down underneath his arm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. The executor of the suplex gets his head under the. Yeah. Other is guys. is either being yeah. headlocked or at least in that position. You know, okay. it's down there. You're down low. Yeah. You're at their waist. Yeah. And then you like 
basically flip them straight over your body, like, you know, hmm. up to 12 o'clock <laughs> or whatever, all the way over, and then you do a full bridge so that that person's back is on the mat and your, you know, feet are on the ground and, like, your head's basically in their stomach or something or Did whatever. Did you find a, a particular wrestler who... Uh, you know, I found highlights, actually, to be honest. Most of the ones that came up were more recent wrestlers, so I didn't really oh. care too much. Yeah, but, boo. But the interesting thing, too, is that there's, you know, they do have, like, if you want to look it up, there's probably about 60 different names for suplexes. You could wow. argue what which one's which and what they all are. But, yeah, that's that's what that was. And it was in that great WCW Nintendo game that I ordered by mail. I think it was the only time I ever did something like that, like, ordered away by mail to get a video game. Like, wow. And I had to wait and wait and wait. And then it finally showed up in the mail. It was, Super awesome. It was great. Okay. Well, normally I would say, hey, let's get to Siren Swain event and let's hit those NBC chimes, but we're not on NBC. We're on Coliseum Home Video. And I'm going to tell you, and we've talked a lot about music, that the strongest connection I have to wrestling and music is the intro song to Coliseum Home Video because it was on so many of my tapes for so many years. And if you haven't heard this, we're going to play it now, you'll hear it, but I encourage you to go Google it and look up Coliseum Home Video intro so you can see the actual images that go along with it because I think it's a a two-parter. We can't quite do the visual justice, but you'll hear it. But man, I just, I get chills. Like there's goosebumps on my arms when I hear that song. I didn't have a collection of Coliseum Home Video tapes. Uh... Though I just did watch it, and I was like, it rang a distant bell. And yeah, right around the end, the music gets very dramatic, the cuts get quicker, and uh, it's pretty compelling to this yeah, day. Yeah, these great, uh, yeah, great scene of like, you know, Andre slamming Kamala in a cage. Yeah, you know, I never like saw just, that before. Yeah, so hard, super awesome. Or I'd forgotten. <laughs> like 1950s footage of like Luthez doing this amazing back suplex. It's just like this. You it's, know. it's at the point where you're like, play that again and pause it, and who's that? <laughs> what the hell's going on? That's which is, if, if you're doing that, then. They did a good job. So if you're watching anything on the WWE Network, Peacock, whatever, you know, they've edited this out for whatever reason. They don't have the rights to the song, I guess, so they just took the whole thing out. And damn them, because <laughs> I want that song in there. But uh, we have to do without it. So let's get to our really our first, you know, real full proper card. Now, we've recorded a, a Crockett Cup episode, which hasn't released yet. So this will be the first thing that gets released, where it's instead of being a TV special, this is like a... You know, the equivalent of a pay-per-view. There, it wasn't on pay-per-view. It wasn't uh, on closed circuit even. It was just a house event, but it was filmed to be released on VHS. And here we go. We're in Toronto. It's August 28th. We're at CNE Stadium. I think the name of that place has changed now. Uh, and just quickly, there's a bit of dispute yeah, every, over the... every three weeks, you know. They, exactly. They no, not back then it wasn't. <laughs> so there's a bit of a dispute over the attendance, both in what the real number was and also, like, how it got there. So... I've, I've said before it was about 64000 you know, with about sixty-one and some change paid and then, you know, some comps. On the show, they will, all night, <laughs> they will tell you it was over 70000 I mean, they must mention at least, like, 70 times that there's 70,000 people, you know, in this event. But really what I read online when I looked at stuff is that people said, oh, the WWF didn't really draw that crowd. The fair, this big fair that runs every year is what drew that crowd. And that's why there were so many people there. But I did see ticket stubs. Like People had to buy tickets. So it wasn't like just some free, like it wasn't like just some random, hey, like we're already out going to a Ferris wheel. So let's, uh, you know, so I call bullshit on anybody saying that they didn't, that those weren't real wrestling fans. And it wasn't that dead, dull WrestleMania 4 paid crowd in Trump Plaza. 
Like this, this crowd was excited. Oh yeah, it's it's amazing. Like this whole video is worth a watch, people. It is electric. I mean, that many people and they're into it. The main event's incredible. It's a happening. As Corey <laughs> Which, told me, I would hear, and I did hear over and over again. Every match. Yeah. As so, per the opening of the video, you get these wonderful shots of yeah. the setting sun from a helicopter, and it's right by the water. So it's That's incredible right. visuals of the crowd filling in. Just just something about you know seeing the opening matches and dusk and then the main event in the dark and like seeing yeah. their hair blow in the wind and it, yeah it, you can see the wind a bit of the wind yeah it it really is uh it's hard to match the atmosphere yeah it's it's i have always it's WrestleMania said for, three excitement for style. many 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 years i always said poor paul orndorff he kind of missed it you know his whole big feud was in between wrestlemania 2 and wrestlemania 3 and he didn't really get his big moment this is it. This <laughs> like is this, it. This, On this is... night, he is like the the. It's. They had bigger crowds after, uh, allegedly, but yes. like on this night, he could say, there I was, you know, the biggest wrestling event Crowd in, in history. history. Yeah. And so I was awesome. right there with a, a big, long match, great match. He looks yeah. fantastic. Yeah, so we get Mean Gene's voice voiced over uh, this, these helicopter shots that Jeff references, and they start showing you, like, different... Yeah, that's funny, because it, at first he's trying to make you sound like he's in the helicopter, yeah, 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 yeah. but, like, you can tell that the helicopter is filming over four hours, and I'm like, <laughs> Mean Gene need to take a leak at some point? <laughs> Just lean out yeah. the window! The one thing I don't like about the intro is that they intersplice scenes from the card you're about to watch. And so I don't really like that. I wish they'd actually used footage of these wrestlers from like before this to kind of like, you know, make you feel more like you're seeing something, not seeing it live, but you can kind of get wrapped up and lost in the moment. But when they show you like highlights from the match you're about to see, you're kind of like, oh yeah, this was recorded in advance. It kind of takes you out of the moment for a second. It's not a big deal, but you know, it's just... Could have been a little bit better if they'd kind of maybe presented it a bit different. I think they're also missing when they come in, they come right to the ring and we're going to have a match right away. There's no intros. I think we're missing that sort of Vince McMahon moment of sort of like, welcome to WrestleMania 3! You know, like, not to say he would do it, but like... There's you know, no host. Yeah, but... there's no host. You're just, you don't even come into like, let's say the broadcast booth. Yeah, they went super minimalist and uh yeah. it, they could have used something <laughs> yeah and i think part of this too is that they have to ed- they have to they have to edit it down to fit on a two-hour tape because this I mean, is being released in a vhs tape think of how many fucking celebrities they had at wrestlemania 2 yeah. i mean was her busy they couldn't get him to <laughs> toronto for sixty thousand people you know like he's gonna be there anyway with his you know eating burgers <laughs> Nothing. None of the production are spectacular. Yeah. I mean, it's this. You know, there's not uh, another live event I've seen that has as a feel that's better. I've I've never seen a more. You know, like I'd have to concentrate and be like, oh, this time. But like, yeah, looking at what having just watched it, I'm like, you know, it's at least as yeah, it's incredible. This uh, that that number of people, how excited they are to be For there, sure. and yet it's I hadn't thought about it till now. It gets by strictly. On the strength of the matches, there's no production as far as a celebrity or, you know, uh, host, you know, in, in this That's video right. editing, no McMahon, and then nobody in the ring saying, welcome to Toronto Mania. Yeah, maybe, maybe they said it, but, like, we just didn't hear it, you know, like, they didn't yeah. put it on, they didn't include it on the tape, so, it didn't, so it didn't happen. Well, yeah. And that's the opposite of, like, all the pay-per-view. I mean, there are so many releases now. And I got a buddy named Lou who has, like, just this huge DVD collection. of. If, if there's a wrestling DVD, he goes for it, you know? 
So he's. I, I don't think that there was there a DVD for the big event. Only if they released it after the fact. I mean, like. So I, how about a VHS tape? Of course, yes. That's how I. This is the Coliseum Video. This is how I got it. It was definitely released on on tape. All right, take it easy. I mean, we're watching it on the interwebs these that's days. Right. So yeah, what yeah, do yeah, I? Yeah, you yeah. know. And you're missing your intro. You don't know it's Coliseum Video because yeah. they took it away. That's right. I never had this tape. So. Yeah, I definitely had this tape and. Really you didn't it. show it to me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I offered to show you wrestling all the time. <laughs> I want the big event. <laughs> so one of the things is, as it wraps up, they kind of really highlight a couple things about, you know, they highlight the machines versus the Heenan family. And it kind of alludes to the fact that it's almost like going to be all three machines. And we haven't even really mentioned the big machine, which we'll get to when we get to that match. That it's going to be the three of them versus the Heenan family, which would be Stud Bundy and Bobby Heenan. But that's not the case. We do find and out that it's... a very bad idea. A very bad idea. <laughs> so no, it is Lou Albano is the third member of the machine team. And it's only two of the three machines. So we'll, Much we'll more. cover that when we get it. A little that's bit more fair. <laughs> exactly. Now it's reasonable. Even, exactly. You know, otherwise, you're like, why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then it kind of ends on this like because he did graphic. that recently. We saw that right. The yes. hand was yeah. like the handicap for who match, right? <laughs> That's right. Hillbilly and Andre and Captain Lou versus Stud and Bundy and Heenan. So that was uh, yeah. There you go. And plus, was, oh, all the all the handicap matches in the more recent episodes. Yeah. You're right. I don't yeah. think, but but Albano didn't wrestle in that one. No, no. I'm talking about maybe two okay. or three episodes ago. You're talking more recently when you're right. There was a three on. There was a couple of three on two. Yeah, the Jimmy they Hart added and the Bobby, Bobby Heenan. Heenan and called it a <laughs> handicap match. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, or, it, or no, wait, Jimmy Hart. That's what well, it, was. it was. Well, it was Jimmy Hart and the Funks, but there was also a match where it was Johnny V and Fuji subbing for, like, Johnny V was subbing for okay. Ian. <laughs> so it happens all the time. This yeah. one makes, at yeah. least this time, this it's era, balanced. They, in this era, they threw the rest of the managers in there to get their asses kicked all the time. Yeah, and they made it look like it was the, the heels who were going to have the trouble. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so this is nicely balanced. Yeah, so the whole thing wraps up with basically four squares that kind of come up in images, and the people that they really focus on are. Hulk Hogan, of course, Paul Orndorff, Adrian Adonis, and Jake the Snake. So I kind of thought it was interesting that like three of the four boxes went to like the heels. You know, the good guys didn't get quite as much attention as you would think, but that's fine. And like I said, we're going to be right in the ring, and we can see from the distance that it's the Killer Bees in their nice jackets versus this other version of the Funks. Alas, it is the uh, lesser ver- ver- version right. of the Funks, I'm afraid. Because yeah. quite honestly, it feels like you've got a classic AWA match where it's like Jumpin' Jim Bronzel and Greg Gagne versus Jesse the Body Ventura and Jake the Milkman Milligan. <laughs> or the heel equivalent. <laughs> exactly. So basically, it's uh, J- Jimmy Jack. He never he got past mid-card. I don't even, yeah, I don't no, even no, think yeah. he made it to mid-card. Not really, no. No. So I mean, I mean, like you just imagine this match with Terry in there instead yeah. of Jimmy Jack, and it oh. would have been like just—it's a decent match and everything. Yeah. But I mean, like you know, I just—it would be like ten times better if Terry was in there. Exactly. If so. only that horse hadn't gotten sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey Vince. Uh, yeah, my horse got sick. I had to, had, to, had to go home. Yeah. Oh, that is too bad. So, I mean, almost there's not really much more to say except for that's not Jimmy Jack's fun, uh, Funk's fault. He doesn't do anything wrong. He looks but fine. I, I think I, what I noticed a lot during this match, of course, because you're seeing things for the first time, which is like the visuals of it. Like when they do the overhead shot, it's a really unique shape to the facility. It's kind of like almost an oval with like a partial roof. And you yeah, know, there's just different. That's really why weird... I thought baseball because it yeah. looks like like that. There's only one area that they want the ball to <laughs> go, right. and the yeah. other part is like, well, at least we won't get hit. And the one thing I thought was really weird was the ring skirt. It looked like almost like a blue tarp. 
Like, there's no branding. There's no WWF. There's no mm. anything on it. And, I, you know, the ring, everything about the ring looked a bit different than, like, I think you see the normal WWF show. So You can also hear the ropes more than you can hear. Mm. Than, and other things like, yeah, yeah. this is sound. It's obviously them. But it sounds so very plasticky. <laughs> you know, there's no rope involved. It's metal and, <laughs> I think, tape. <laughs> metal and tape. Yeah. Those ropes. That's right. So, you know, it, it, the match is the match. If, uh, yeah, if you. Well, I mean, what we have is uh, we've all. You will be familiar if you've been listening to us for a while with the switcheroo tactics the bees employed with their masks. That's and right. sure enough, that gets involved here. We do have a face win. They're not going to, you know, the bees are on their way up. Yeah. And this is like the lesser funk team, uh, even though you have a former NWA world champion. Yeah. Like to me, Haas even looked a little less in shape than he did at Saturday's main event. Like, it looks like by August of this, oh. you know, Terry's on his way out. He probably knows the writing's on the wall that, like, his spot's not going to, you know, keep going too much longer. So Yeah, I don't have any significant memories of Haas Funk after this point, or, you know, I had even really forgotten his run. In, That's right, yeah. I'm now a, a fan because of, you know, the how he could be the straight man to Terry's, you know, <laughs> silliness, and that was great. That's right. But it was lacking in this match, and so you get a uh, scientific... Actually, no, wait. Actually, you're going to have to say these guys, the bees pull their, you know. Yeah, they're ma- the masks they're switcheroo. Yeah, yeah they, and they switches. And it's the double switch. And that's sort of the key of the, the, the bees is there's an initial switch and then there's a second switch. <laughs> yeah, it's a little too clever for its own good. You know what I yeah. mean? For this team, they should have just pulled up a roll up clean win. You that's know? right, yeah. They, they win by way of, uh, it probably is a scientific pin, but more because allegedly the heels don't expect this bee, who they've been beaten up for so long, to be able to, you know, quickly pin them and hold them because That's we've right. been pounding them for ages. How could he be so <laughs> strong? And so his small package, I'm, you know, risking a buzzer here, but, uh, or a roll that up. That sounds right. I think it was a small package. Yeah. Yeah. He's. I think Jimmy Jack goes to sand him up thinking that he's the beaten up guy. And then he just, yeah, he just rolls him up. Yeah. And, the, and the, ref, the ref takes a second getting over there too. So Jimmy Jack has to like lay there for like, you know, like a five count pretty much to get the three count. But the crowd loves it. And, oh, yeah. it, you know, you can't really help but get into it because there's, you know, 60 something thousand people going crazy. Right. So it's pretty exciting just the whole night. Yeah. And oh, we didn't really mention, but our commentators, we got Gorilla Monsoon. We got Johnny Valiant. And then we got Ernie Ladd. Now, Ernie Ladd's interesting because he definitely has this rich history in wrestling. But he's sort of like this monotone, kind of really low energy kind of commentator. I think for a lot of audiences, he was sort of an unfamiliar person, especially as like a, a, on the on the mic. So he's kind of a weird choice. Johnny V can tries to play like the Jesse Bobby Heenan role, not quite as well, I would say. It takes him a while to get going. I think he gets better as the card goes on. I think he starts pretty flat, and then he this I I definitely enjoyed him more in some of the later matches where he's getting a little bit more fired up and find some ways to get some jokes in. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, not the wit of uh, Heenan or Ventura, unfortunately. Yeah, so that's going to bring us to match number two, which is the Magnificent Morocco with his manager, Mr. Fuji, against one of our favorites, King Tonga. And I'd seen on the house show that they'd been wrestling quite a bit during this time, and Morocco was mainly getting the wins. Uh, so coming into this, you know, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> Such but, a tiny version of King Tonga, really. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. He looks he pretty a, small next to yeah, Morocco. Yeah, slender. Yeah, exactly. I think I, it was maybe Johnny V or somebody even mentions it. it. looks like he's lost some weight. So like it's almost like trying to say he was bigger than that before. But, you know, he, he has like, Gorilla Munson does a good job talking about the, the ligament type strength. You know, he doesn't have the bulky strength. He's got the, you know, like the, because <laughs> he is a freaking strong guy. He's not as big as everybody else, but it's like, yeah. but he's stronger than <laughs> mostly everybody else. Yeah, so. and it, I'm sure we've already covered that if we haven't you listen to enough shoot interviews and haku king tonga meng 
comes across as the toughest badass behind, yeah, yeah. behind the scenes. So early in the match, I uh, won't cover the moves too much, uh, other than maybe the end. It, one good thing is, like Jeff said, you can hear the ropes. And the other thing you can hear is the huzza, huzza. Whether he's on offense or getting taken a beating, yeah. he's, he's making noise. Yeah. He's the most reliable <laughs> yeah. grunter, or what do you know, huzza in wrestling. That's right. And we can see Morocco's really got his thumb taped for the Asian spike. Oh, of note, too, like... King Tonga got like a pretty big boo when they did the introductions. He did. He was. It was a mixture of cheers and boos, and uh-huh. then Morocco got booed. So it was kind of like the crowd wasn't really, you know, cheering for anybody. It uh-huh. seemed, you know, there were definitely people cheering for, for King Tonga as well. But it, early in the match, Ernie Ladd. This is one of the things he brings to the broadcast. He mentions that King Tonga now wants to go by his, his the name Haku. So this is they start calling him Haku during this match. Okay, that is probably the most noteworthy thing exactly. here. Yeah, he's he's introduced the Chirons as King Donga, but then they two minutes into the match they start calling him Haku for the rest of the match. So he'll get it. He'll get his crown back. Yeah, he'll have both his cake and crown <laughs> and cape and eat it too. That's right. So now Fuji Fuji gets some cane shots in. There's an edit in this match, like you can see they cut some out. They had to clip some some time from some of these matches to make this all fit on a VHS tape. And, you know, there's some original, you know, there's, it's back and forth. Morocco, the first half of the match, King Tong is, does a lot of action. Second half, he's getting his ass kicked almost the entire time. And basically, there's a point where, like, Don Morocco takes a little too much time going up to the top. And, and Haku's able to go over and slam him, which is really cool. And then he just unleashes the big chops. He takes so long, he's had a name change. That's right. He was King Tonga when he's got on the apron. That's he's right. Haku by the time he gets up to the third rope. That's right. And then he's Ming by the time the referee's like, hey, what's going on over here? So after Haku lays in some pretty big chops and whips him off the rope, another big chop, he takes up to the top rope himself. And he comes off with this really nice flying body press. But as the ref's hand's coming down for one, we hear we hear the bell because it's a 20-minute time limit draw. Yeah. To watch my match, I ended up, Seeing the finish, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. Well, that's a. There are several ways to get out of a wrestling match yeah. without making anybody I, look bad. And I this gotta is a be classic. honest. I mean, I, I'm surprised Don Rocco just didn't win this match. Uh, okay. based on how he'd been booked going into this. Well, okay. I, here's me at the thought I had. Didn't he? Wasn't he uh, the number one contender a mere three months ago? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was right. Yeah, uh, that was right. And, and he's beating King Tong on the host shows, like most of the host show matches leading up to this. So uh-huh. you would think that he would continue with that. Right. Unfortunately, well, we w- there will be some face future. That's right. There is a face future for Don Morocco. Okay, we got a third match. It's someone that like I totally remember, but don't have a lot of solid memories of because he wasn't around super long. But a really puffed up wrestler by the name of Ted Arcidi. Man, he yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's taken on Tony Garia, who's subbing for Tony Atlas. Right. Well, man, that. It's almost like uh, that really would have been great. I would yeah, have that loved would have been a much scene. better visual. Yeah. Like Tony Atlas, he, he, at one time, he would say like, well, you know, I tell you, I would pick a guy up and sit him on the turnbuckle, you know? And then like, what do you think the crowd's going to think when, you know, if I can do that to somebody, if I can pick him up, <laughs> sit him on the turnbuckle like, a, like an eight-year-old and then yeah, just yeah, leave yeah, him there, yeah. which he did to Paul Orndorff in his yeah. match. He just talked about the psychological aspects yeah. of being able to like do that to somebody, like have a seat. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was that did that this old time, but like they did the same kind of idea, put the guy up on the turnbuckle and then kind of like ruffled the hair like they were a little kid and walked away yeah. to embarrass them. <laughs> that, that, so that Tony Adams totally said if he wanted to like, you know, show a crowd who's boss, he would do that to a guy. 
guy. And yeah. then he said, how are they going to respect the guy after that? You know, if I could do that to him, you know. So I would have loved to have seen that because uh, Ted Arcidi looks like, if you remember the colorful comics from our childhood, the Mr. Man series, there was one who was like a square. And yeah, that, Mr. Strong. <laughs> yeah. And that's Ted Arcidi. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a square. Yeah, yeah. And not the Flintstone Square. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Tony Gurria has a long and storied history, and unfortunately our show doesn't look like we will ever have any glory days for him. He was in a Saturday Night's Main Event match, so we've already talked about him. Yeah. But uh, he took the fall. Yeah, I'm pretty. he's a six-time tag team champion. Yeah, so a little sad to see that you can't go out a little more gracefully. That's right. Because uh, there was never any hope. You, you know, right? Yeah, from the, that... a lot of this match is just basically showing how, like, Tony Greer is not able to do any wrestling holds on our CD because he's just too strong. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Does he, he probably gets a drop kick in and oh, yeah, changes his tactic he gets, he gets, eventually. He gets a series of drop kicks in and stuff like that. Right. Tenor CD is weird because he doesn't wear wrestling boots. He's got like running shoes on or something. Yeah, you know, like. I did notice that. <laughs> Tennis shoes on. That is funny. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. And the other thing is that Tedar CD's pretty green in his heel role. Yeah, they're mentioning just in commentary, oh, I thought he was a nice guy, and he's starting to show some heel tactics, but he's not really... It's not too smooth yet. Exactly. But I mean, here's a guy that is obviously putting physique first, you know, it's it's not so much about his... Uh... A, you know his ability to talk or or work. Yes, yeah. You know, it's just he's a spectacle specimen. And yeah, so, you know he seemed like he could have been a heel of the week, heel of the month for Hogan at one point. Like he was yeah, big enough, sure. right? You know, but sure, probably too green. You know, they probably like to put people in there that you maybe know to work he, with Hogan. Yeah, maybe he was hurting people. That's a problem with these really really strong guys sometimes. Yeah, they throw a clothesline or something and land it too high and hurt That's, a guy. Yeah, and, especially green and that kind of strength. Oh, this is the mat. This is the match where something really major happens in the crowd on the uh, the the hard cameras sides of the side that you can see like all of a sudden like partway through the match like about a third of everything yeah. you can see on the camera they all turn around and they're all looking behind themselves and they're not yeah. watching the match at all they miss the end actually they hear the bell yeah. ring and some of them like look over their shoulder to see what's going on yeah <laughs> it's funny how the crowd would rather watch a scuffle yeah than if there's the a other. fight in the crowd that's always going to take attention over like what's going yeah. on in the ring <laughs> yes indeed so um it's uh, i think that enough said about that well yeah, we know what it was, see, the the bear, it was the bear hug finish bear hug finish yeah right yeah it's seat yeah. submits to a bear hug yeah. after like Gria's basically getting in like as you suggested he starts to kind of get his offense going yeah he gets a couple of drop kicks and at some point he bounces off the rope to do yeah. something else and ends up leaping into ted rcd's yeah. grasp and all the worse a veteran like him has to play dumb like he thinks he's gonna win you know the the yeah, match yeah, by yeah. trying to body slam ted rcd <laughs> and punch him yeah shoulder tackle <laughs> no i mean like you know tony Gurria is no no small guy but no, you know well, no. you gotta be doing arm drags and roll-ups and go for the science pin that's right okay so i think this is where the card picks up. The, a, there's going to be an interview right away, which I'm going to get into. But I think you know we, we get entrances, we get we get interviews, we get important wrestlers. So this is where I feel like from this point on, the big event card is much more of like a premier event, you know, like a big big matches and stuff like that. So we've got the Junkyard Dog versus Adrian Adonis, which we've seen on a Saturday Night's main event, and we're going to be with Gene Gene Mean is mm-hmm. with Jimmy Hart. And you really get this, now I'm starting to feel big time, because I can see the big crowd in the background of the interview, and you can tell that the mic, they're mic'd, so the whole crowd can hear this interview. So the pressure's on. These guys got to do their interview in front of 60-whatever thousand people. There's no room for flubbing. You know, they got to talk, and they're, you know, they're great at it. All right, I was breaking for a hot dog, but not before I talked to you, Jimmy Mouth of the South Heart. Tonight, it's going to be your uh, 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 man, adorable Adrian Adonis, if you will, going against the likes of the Junkyard Dog, 
in front of the largest crowd in professional wrestling history. You better believe it, baby, but this is the greatest night of my life because, you see, tonight's the night I get even with a junkyard dog for everything he's done to Jimmy Hart. Everybody saw when Jimmy Hart got his pants ripped off by the junkyard dog. I saw dog. that. I saw that. He branded me on national TV on the Slammy Awards. What did he do? He came out and took my pants off again. Well, let me tell you something, it's dog. Time for damage. That's right. We're going to get you Wait a minute. Thing. I thank you very much, gentlemen. Jimmy, the mouth of the South Heart, along with his man, adorable Adrian Adonis, heading to ringside here in front of this gigantic crowd. It is history in the making. Really cool. Adrian comes in and interrupts the interview and says it's time to go to the ring. And we get this real good look at the entrance. It's a very long walkway and it kind of curves and winds a bit too. And it, like at this era, it's pretty crowded. There's a ton of security all wearing Molson Canadian security shirts. <laughs> They're all drunk. <laughs> They're all drunkards. <laughs> so Jimmy's carrying like one of those diffusers or whatever you want to call them, the spray, uh, the spray things and he's also got like a i don't know how to it's almost like a duster like a feathery kind of thing he's got two items basically he's he's carrying no megaphone yeah no megaphone <laughs> maybe he did have the megaphone i can't remember we definitely wasn't wasn't important though so then they introduced yeah they introduced well, the, the, adrian the, the, the atomizer is a two-handed weapon so, that's right I mean, you yeah know, yeah you can't you, you can't have it all he can't have the megaphone and the sprayer he could add like a strap or something for the megaphone. Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like your DM DD character no. that wants to carry like uh, 800 items. <laughs> Not Maybe at 11th level you can pull that shit, but... Yeah, that's right. Junkyard Dog starts coming out and his music hits really late. Like he's walking for a while and then finally his music kicks in and then there's an edit. <laughs> he's already in the ring. So it's we kind of miss a bit of his entrance, but it's still cool. You, you get to hear a little bit of... You get to hear some music. It's pretty neat. Like Adrian tries to jump him in the corner and the Junkyard Dog is like... The bell hasn't rung, so it's a non-disqualification match, and I'm going to kick your ass with my chain. <laughs> yeah, just punches him right <laughs> He's in the head. laying in the blows of fists, and I think he gives him, like, a two-hand chokey thing to the, you know, the throat, and, like, it's great, because Johnny V's like, what the? He's got to be disqualified. <laughs> it's great. He's totally doing, like, that great Jesse sort of, like, you know, hey, I'm just telling the truth. I'm like, I'm yep. looking at this. Like, why yep. isn't this guy getting, yes. why why isn't he getting disqualified? We're not really sure why he's allowed to, like, just beat on him for so long without being DQ'd. But, uh, you know, he... Well, because the match hasn't started. Yeah, but, you know, I don't think you really hear the bell. Maybe I missed it. Probably have to look at it again. But JYD gives Adrian Donis a big headbutt, and he takes the big flip off that headbutt. And then, of course, the scooting headbutts to, you know, get him out of the ring and stuff. And it's really funny because on the second one, Adrian Adonis is like trying to escape, like to, to safety of the outside. So he turns and dives, but he dives right into the post, <laughs> like, yeah. which is a spot. Like, but it's just, yeah. it looks really good. So I think this is that starting to question, like, well, what's left of Adrian Adonis after Dan Spivey beat him up so bad? And like, you know, yeah. I, I think I do kind of see there's maybe a little less snap on him. Like he can't quite throw himself around the way he used to, but he certainly isn't like not still doing that stuff. And yeah. he's also gaining weight. So like maybe part of the reason he's not flipping quite as great is because mm-hmm. he's 30 40 pounds heavier you know who knows right so yeah yeah that's right he's uh expanding yeah junkyard dog does his corner whip and adrian does you know the flare 360 in the corner to the outside and this is that's one of the ones where i kind of noticed adrian didn't quite look as skilled or as amazing doing that it looked a little bit more mechanical you know he was going through the motions to get himself over that rope as opposed to just like exploding over it or whatever mm. so you know, maybe that's that's a chance. So Jimmy's basically on the outside trying to uh, console Adrian, and it's really great camera work, actually. Dog comes in with that crawling, scooting headbutt, but he's off camera when he does it, so all of a sudden he just appears out of nowhere and, like, rams, <laughs> rams Adrian. Yeah, yeah, I really loved it. So he's Adrian's trying to get back in, and Dog's just kicking his ass. So Junkyard Dog's attempting to pull Adrian in by his hair. 
but Adonis gets the like the ref to back dog off. It's great. The camera's right on Adrian's face, and he's like, "Hey, ref, ref," and he's pointing at he's pointing at Junkyard Dog <laughs> as he's getting his hair pulled. And the ref does start getting like kind of physical with Junkyard Dog, and it's kind of interesting at this point. Junkyard a couple times kind of pushes the ref off. That kind of like is you know really important coming up pretty soon. So Adonis does manage to deliver a few blows, and this leads to Junkyard Dog shove, shoving the ref down, like which is kind of a strange moment. It gives the ref a pretty good shove. And that's when uh, Adrian's still on the apron, which allows Jimmy Hart to, aha, we blind the junkyard dog. Yes. <laughs> comes in with Michael like, Hayes. Yeah. Pres- Precious from Jimmy Garvin is in there. Right. Beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is an important part because now junkyard's blinded and that really gives Adrian Adonis the chance to come in and be a heel and, you know, get the advantage and stuff. As Jeff has been requested, we've blinded the dog. <laughs> we got some real heat. <laughs> We'll see what happens. And it's great because they're complaining. Monsoon's all upset. And Johnny V's like, what are you talking about? Junkyard Dog should have already been disqualified. <laughs> like, why do you have a problem with this? You didn't have a problem with the chain. Yep. <laughs> so it's, it's Double standards. <laughs> so Adonis uh, hits this weak-looking clothesline. The dog sells. And he's fall- he falls like he's like, you know... It's like weekend at Bernie's three or something. Like he just dies from this clothesline and goes stiff as a bo- you know a, like a body and just <laughs> falls true. down. Junkyard dog definitely had that kind of planking. You know. <laughs> so basically, Adrian drops like a couple of running diving fists. He goes up to the second rope and he for a third one he nails him with his fist off the second rope and gets a two count. And then after being dumped to the outside, JYD eats a punch on the apron and Jimmy tries using the sprayer as a weapon. <laughs> But Junkyard Dog immediately wakes up. Like, you know, it's so funny. He's totally out of it. But as soon as Jimmy Hart starts trying to hit him with it, it's like, no, I'm not yeah. not, not falling for this. He just woke up the dog. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wake up, dog. So he starts stalking Jimmy Hart. And then he realizes that Adrian Adonis is like Randy Savage. He's climbing to the top rope like he's going to come off the top rope to the outside. So Junkyard Dog turns around to like basically like deal with, you know, what he's going to do with Adonis. And that's when Jimmy Hart jumps on Junkyard Dog's back. <laughs> yep, piggyback. <laughs> and somehow Junkyard Dog grabbing one of the ropes is enough to make Adrian Adonis fall off the top rope and crotch himself. You know, not the Hogan style, uh, you know, back atomic drop on the uh, yeah. barricade, but just on the ropes. Yeah. Well, there's some give there. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, he sh- it's really funny because then he's like, he's giving Adrian, Adrian's basically still hung up on these ropes, but hanging down. And then so <laughs> Junkyard Dog's giving him like these headbutts, like while he's like basically draped over the ropes. It's pretty funny. So once they're outside, they're still fighting. And then, you know, Adrian actually gets a little bit of an advantage and scoots under the bottom rope and D- Dog follows him in. So like they both scooted under the, under the ropes. This is where Jimmy Hart decides he's going to get up on the apron. And JYD uses using Adrian's tights. He just whips him backwards. It, Adonis right into Adrian into Jimmy Hart. Pardon me. And they go over the top rope and they land on each other. And it looks just like the Saturday Saturday's main event spot. They're kind of all tied up and hung up on each other. So that's it's pretty funny, but it also looks really familiar. So th- at this point, the bell rings, and we see JYD getting his hand raised. And Fink announces a countout win. Like it just it's really not clear that like I was I watched it twice and both times I couldn't tell when the countout happened or, you know, that that was that close to happening. So the ending's a little unsatisfying in terms of, like, how they got to that countout, but and a lot of other stuff, and it was really good. And the thing I liked is that it was, like, it felt very different than their Saturday Night's Main Event match. I didn't feel like I was just watching a, a run back of, you know, a match I'd already seen. Yeah. It, yeah, you, you said it all. Here we're going to get to a match that's uh, of little consequence, but we'll just briefly touch on it, and that's the Rebel Dick Slater versus Iron Mike Sharp. Right. Bizarre placement in the card, because uh, Mike Sharp is half jobber, and uh, Dick Slater is, really, this should have been an opening match. But there it is, and sure enough, uh, Dick Slater does, I mean, you, Iron Mike, he also makes a lot of noise in the ring. He is... Well known for having great conditioning. He was, uh, legend has it, he would start 
by the ring on the as you know on, on the ground or whatever of the arena or stadium, and he would go up and down the stairs. He'd run the stairs before yeah. the matches. Yeah. He'd run stairs. Yeah. But if he tried that here, man, I mean, like <laughs> they, right. there looks like a lot of. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he was able to do that, and he has like just such <laughs> sheer size. Yeah, yeah. But he was calls himself Canada's greatest athlete. So um, <laughs> Fink say it like he said it in a derogatory way, like so called or proclaimed. You know, like he's he he says it in a way that like prompts the crowd to boo him, <laughs> like to <Yeah>. be sharp. <laughs> yes, and uh, you know it's it's a more or less back and forth match. They're not trying to put too much. There's not too many eggs in this basket. So uh, Dick Slater does have a finisher. He he does. It's the same finish that he used on the. Uh, Last time we called one of his matches, which I think was Doherty. Yeah, was it Doherty? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. okay. Dick Slater's much better when he's wrestling Pete Doherty. <laughs> much more entertaining match. But this wasn't bad. Yeah. And, and that finisher is he comes off the top rope and sets up this kind of roll. Yeah, where the he, standing elbow to the head. Yeah. You know, standing opponent. Yeah. And then when the opponent's down, he does this. He grabs a leg and then he does a little flip so that his back is on the chest of his opponent while he's got his two opponent's legs hooked and uh, is unable to kick out because he's holding the legs. A jackknife pin. Oh, cool. Jackknife pin. Yeah. yeah. The other funny thing about Sharp is he's apparently was a bit OCD, so like he would apparently shower for like hours after his matches. Like, they, And one time he got locked in an arena because he was just, they had to come let him out. And it's like, you wrestled four and a half hours ago. What are you still doing here? Like, you know. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, we're ready for one of the biggest matches of this card. And it's going to be it's gonna be some really funny stuff because anytime you can get to see... Bobby the Brain Heenan in the ring with his tights on. You know, you're probably in for a good time. We have a big match. It's a six-man tag match. It's the Heenan family. Bobby Heenan, Big John Studd, King Kong Bundy taking on their hated rivals, these illegal, you know, newcomers to the WWF, the machines. They're from Japan, but brother, I don't think one of them's Japanese. (laughs) That's right. So we've been waiting to kind of find out who's actually going to be wrestling because we missed a bit that we didn't cover. It was a flower shop episode where they had Bobby Heenan on and he had Lou Albano come out with the machines one at a time and he was trying to prove one of them was Andre so they presented the big machine the super machine and then they said they were presenting the giant machine but the big machine came out again (laughs) and Bobby Heenan was like wait a minute now and he turns his back and that's when Big Machine leaves, and Giant Machine comes on stage, and that's when he, Bobby Heenan's like, this is Andre! <laughs> this is some pretty funny stuff, so. Yeah, there's definitely some really good switcheroo, silly comedy bits yeah. that uh, are, are really worth checking out. Right. The first thing we're going to get before we get to the ring in the match, though, is we've got another Mean Gene Okerlund interview, and he's out in front of that crowd with Bobby the Brain Heenan, and he's really hyping up this six-man match, but he, he must take time to talk about how that Orndorff is going to be winning the world championship tonight. And that basically Gene says to Bobby Heenan, you are part of history. And Bobby says, I make history. And this crowd's here because of me and Big John Studd and Paul Orndorff and King Kong Bundy and all this stuff. So it's it's really awesome. He's really hyped up. And then he does something where he sets up like, you know, it's a great uh, little bit where Bobby Heenan <laughs> sets up the crowd. So listen to these, uh, listen to Bobby Heenan rile this crowd up. Over 70,000 people here. Because Heenan is wrestling, and wrestling is Heenan. All right, I thank you very much. He is the brain. Bobby Heenan, I'm glad you showed up for this interview. For a moment there, I got the impression you were trying to weasel out of it. Hey, now, I don't want to have 70,000 people start chanting weasel. You I understand that, pal? I, I didn't call you weasel. You just said it. I just heard you say it. Now look what you got him doing. Can't you tell them to keep their mouth shut? If you get 70,000 of them going, you're going to be in deep trouble, I'm not pal. standing out here in sub-zero weather 
with 70,000 plus people yelling weasel at me. Well, I'm not going to yell weasel. Thank you, you very much. You did it again. I didn't say that. I heard you say it. Let's go back to Ernie Ladd. Johnny Valiant and Gorilla Monsoon high atop the CNE Stadium. I love it because he's just <laughs> he's just begging them to boo him and you know set set it up. He sets it up. They knock him down. He's a master showman, That's Bobby right. Heenan. So there's a little edit there, and they skip over to the ring, and it's a tight shot, so you can't quite see everybody. You're still trying to figure out what's going on here. So we can see Stud and Bundy, and then some of the machines are in the ring, and Big John Stud has like this red robe on, and Gorilla says, "There's over a ton and a half in this ring." He's talking about how much you know mass there is, because at this point, there's you know three machines, Captain Lobano plus three heels, <laughs> and everyone's you know close to 300 pounds, except for maybe Bobby, but <laughs> they're all they're all big men, and some of them are 500 pounds, and so there's a there's a lot of weight. I think for once he does not maybe fibbing when he says that kind of you know 2,500 pounds. It's it might be possible. Indeed, yes. <laughs> well, any battle royal is going to do that. As well. That's right, of course, yeah. So uh, we can see that Bobby Heenan's in his wrestling gear. He's got his ring jacket on, but soon once he takes that off, he's going to reveal that he's got the machine, <laughs> like his outfit. It's like the machines are copying him. Like he's got their tights. <laughs> right. A single strap. You know, except for they've got legs. They've oh, got, that's a that's good right. point. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. They do and have legs. And he has, yeah, he, he's got, I guess. I guess more, I was referring to the single strap. They do have the single strap, so it looks similar. It occurred to me, yes, that there is a similarity. Um, <laughs> but the machines, uh, then they have actual sort of a full tights on. And, and Bobby's wrestling, his wrestling thing is more like a, a it's only the trunks and yeah, the strap. Yeah, for sure. So we do find out that Lou Obano is indeed wrestling. And uh, apparently he's, his wrestling outfit and his manager outfit just happened to be the same thing. <laughs> he looks exactly the same. Yeah. T-shirt, couldn't, couldn't, vest, be, couldn't be bothered to put anything band. on. <laughs> I don't know if he's got the elastic band, but it always made me a little uncomfortable, the yeah, elastic right. band dangling from his face. So at this point, we get this really nice shot from the announce booth where the camera's kind of looking over the shoulders of our announcers back down at the ring, and you just really get the scope of how giant this place is and just how massive it is, and that was part of the greatness of, you know, WrestleMania three and some of these other big events. Is it's giant. It's giant. It's, it's big. It's super. <laughs> it's the giant, super big CNE Stadium. <laughs> and here is where we realize that, in fact, it's going to be the giant machine on the outside. He's not wrestling. So Andre's, you know, hanging out as a corner man, so to, so to speak. And for once, the good guys actually outnumber the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the letdown, if you will. I mean, like, we wanted to see Andre wrestle, and we're not going to. Only yeah. now is it clear that the six-man match will actually be fair, because if Heenan <laughs> has to wrestle, <laughs> you right. know, then you should leave Andre exactly. on the floor. <laughs> However, that's not what the fans want. The yeah. fans want to see fans Andre so it was they're they're delaying that and they're teasing out you know um and i'm sure they had their reasons that andre this is a return from injury yeah i mean he's having some i think he's had some back injuries at this point i think the change one of the changes one of the reasons he changed this outfit that he's in now as a as a machine and you know as as he moves on as andre he continues to wear this outfit is because he's wearing a back brace and he's like kind of hiding his uh before he was just wearing the little the little trunks you know like (laughs) we can see everything (laughs) yeah he's this is some way you can kind of hide it and i think this is a way to kind of protect him and you know he didn't have to do a lot in this to be a part of this match he can just come out and sort of be at ringside and play the role that he plays yeah, well, if it ever it looks like I'm trying to hide my beer gut, no, and my back hurts. It's just not a <laughs> slimming. This is the William Shatner card I'm going to play. That's right. For me and Andre and William Shatner. It's back pain. I have back pain. 
That's right. So they're going to start the match with Big John Stud and the Super Machine, our, our good friend Bill Eady, Axe, the Super Destroyer. The, what else was he? He was the mass superstar. <laughs> he had so many. A Super Destroyer? I believe that was one of his incarnations, but I could be wrong on that. So all the other, it, one, all the other ones. It's in keeping. Yes, That's right. Yes, yeah. If he had to do one more, that yes, would be it. Exactly. Uh, with the exception of there may have been a wrestler named Super Destroyer There definitely somewhere. was an AWA. Yeah. yeah, there was the Destroyers and Super Destroyer this and right. Destroyer Mark II okay. and that. So I can't remember it all at the moment, right. but <laughs> all right. So these big men started off, and there's some aggressive pushing, and no one's really getting the advantage. And Stud basically backs the super machine into a corner and decides it's time to give him a shot. But this is where we see quick firing out a super machine. He's really quick with these punches and this style of it's really. I think it's a really like signature spot. Like when he throws his sort of punches, chops, forearms. It doesn't matter what he's wearing or what mask he has on. You know, it's Billy. Like you know, he's yeah, kinda, he's he very recognizable. Double, yeah. Well, one what he does is we've talked about the percussive aspect of throwing a punch that yeah. doesn't and so a lot of guys do uh, a foot stomp but yeah. Bill Eady's perfect at double like he lifts both his feet you know right yeah he windmill punches and kind of hops <laughs> yeah and because yeah so he gets a double percussion that's and, right like, when, he'll, and they'll, they're coming fast so you can re- when Mass Superstar's hitting the guy he really makes sure to stomp that mat with both feet and that's like you know 280 pounds yeah or whatever. like he knows about the sound and how important that is so For you're sure. right it is pretty distinctive and he does it as axe too right like late, yeah uh, and later on, he would make sure he was using the axe handle for that move. Yeah, a little bit more the double, the double smash kind of thing and at the same time. And then Smash would get in there and throw the axe handles as well. That's right. And then both of them would stamp yeah. both feet. So now you had four, four arms. feet. <laughs> four you arms had, and four legs. <laughs> you had four forearms and four feet stamping the mat. <laughs> That's yeah. Right. So like and that was a signature demolition attack stemming from, yeah, his his very stylized and recognizable uh, attack style. Which a lot of a lot of sound and fury, <laughs> signifying demolition. So really early, Super Machine decides it's time to go for that body slam, and he lifts Stud up into the air a bit, and, but they're really close to the ropes. So Stud's able to grab the ropes, and I notice it, and Heenan does it a couple of times. <laughs> as soon as the slam attempt even starts to happen, Heenan's starting to get in the ring because if that slam happens, Heenan's out fifteen grand. <laughs> yes, indeed. I gotta make fifteen grand, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Only fifteen? It was uh, it was th- it was forty grand in the game. Well, pipe, I think they doubled. Oh, the, at one yeah. point, there was fifty grand on on uh, Orndorff's head. Yeah, that was the bounty. But the the the, the big the body slam challenge, challenge. was fifteen thousand. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and the money bag. Remember Andre throwing the bills? At oh WrestleMania? yeah, for sure. Yeah. That was a real uh, yeah WrestleMania moment. Exactly. And Ian looks so hilarious stripping the bag away from yeah, that's Andre. right. And then jumping over the top rope. <laughs> and he's like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> it's great. So it's pretty good. And you, it's really funny. Like, you can hear the ref yelling at Bobby Heaton to get back in his corner because <laughs> he just comes in in the middle of nowhere, right? Like, and it's like the ref catches him. I really love it. So, after like a bit of a delay, so it's almost like both teams go back to their corners and there's almost like a stalling moment there and you can this is where you can start to hear the weasel chants <laughs> like the crowds the crowds there to boo Bobby Heenan they love they you know they love to get on his case so super machine tries a shoulder tackle on big john stud but that doesn't work he goes down and then stud whips the super machine off the ropes but he eats three consecutive clotheslines one two three and the third one actually floors big john stud he goes down which is really impressive because Kind of like the Road Warriors, you know, Stud and Bundy would often kind of only stagger. They wouldn't actually go down. So at this point, the big machine gets tagged in while John Stud's on the outside, but he's in the wrong corner. <laughs> the giant machine is there to help him back in. He's just being a friendly giant. You know, he's just giving a nice little shove, being a little rough with John Stud. And he's 
throws him back in the ring, which of course distracts John Studd. So he's got his back into the, you know, he's, he's in the ring looking down over the rope, complaining to the giant machine. So of course the big machine takes this as his opportunity to attack. And he also goes for the body slam. So he's got big John Studd, you know, halfway up into the body slam, but again, right by the ropes. So Studd has that way of escaping. And again, Heenan, Heenan's got a leg in the, in the ring. He's coming in. He's got to protect that money. He doesn't want, doesn't want that to happen. So well, this is a, the first look at the big mich- big machine yeah, in we, the ring. Yeah, okay. We, well, we and they want to unmask the big machine, but I think it's time for us to unmask the big machine. Yeah, yeah. If we haven't already said it. I don't think we have covered it. Yeah, we probably haven't. And Bobby Heenan's like, who's this guy? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so Bobby, a- you know, actually it is fun and ironic because this is just like Blackjack Lanza, yeah. who Heenan managed uh, yeah. to gold. This is the other half of the Blackjacks. It's <laughs> Blackjack right. Mulligan, That's father right. of one of our favorites, Barry Windham. Of course. And grandfather of some more famous recent to, you know, uh, Bray Wyatt and a couple of other, I can't remember the other well, guys. I I don't know. Yeah, Mike Rotundo's kids have been made it pretty big in the WWE under a couple of different characters. So Bray Wyatt's the more famous of the two. Mike Rotundo or Barry Windham's kids? Mike Rotundo's married to Barry Windham's sister. I see. So that's that's still still Blackjack Mulligan's the you know the grandpa right. <laughs> you know correct so, yes yeah, okay, yeah got it yeah so they uh, they were, Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda were more than you know more more than just tag team partners they, they know married, they yeah, he married his sister they married into the family so yeah there's a t- tight connection there that's pretty cool so yes yeah, so we get Blackjack Mulligan which is a huge man and especially at this point in his career he's probably bigger than at any other time in his career and yeah he's it's very he's not like a steroid big or jack no big. just a giant guy. Yeah, like old school wrestler, giant guy. Doesn't yeah. you know? Doesn't really look like he needs to lift weights and does. Yeah, he probably he's, doesn't. He's, he's like, like buff. You know, I don't know. He's kind of like a stud in a way. Like he's probably about three forty or something like that, and three three twenty maybe, or you know, whatever it is. Like, hmm. but tall and thick. And I always, for some reason, didn't think he compared in, in size to stud. I don't think he's as tall as stud. He's probably an inch or two shorter than stud, but I think he's thicker in some areas so he's i don't know well we'd have to check the the tape so to speak to uh you know get him on the scale i always felt that like stud still dwarfed big machine but maybe not so much yeah they're pretty close i think because mulligan was a big man so this escaping this body slam gives john stud the chance to bring in king kong bundy for the first time this is where Gorilla has to say that he well, he knows he knows 500 pounds when he sees it. <laughs> this whole 468 or whatever they're announcing it, that's not gonna you know that's not gonna cut it. So the big man collide when they when there's a bounce off the ropes, but the big machine holds his ground. He doesn't go down and he doesn't really stagger too much. So Bundy challenges the big machine to you know take a crack at him. You know oh, you charge at me now. So they another big shoulder tackle and Bundy moves even less. So, you know, we really got a bit of a standoff here. So the big machine tries again, and he ducks a clothesline that Bundy throws and then starts landing these right hands. So his attempted corner whip, though, is reversed, and Bundy stunts himself. So he comes in for the avalanche, and big machine moves out of the way, and Bundy's like, like you know, crashing into the corner. So that's, like, pretty funny when he misses the avalanche. And he bounces out of the corner and receives a back elbow, which actually floors the behemoth. He just goes down. You know, Bundy doesn't leave his feet that often, you know, especially early in a match. So that was really impressive. So again, there's a bit of a break in the action, <laughs> and Bundy's over in his corner looking for a tag, and Heenan's hiding his hands behind his back. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> so they have a little conference. So now, but Bundy doesn't even end up tagging out. He stays in. So he lands a blow, starts to soften up the big machine, and Heenan points at Stud like, "No, no, tag him. Don't tag me." <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> so Stud comes in and he's wailing on the big machine with forearms and several more blows. Floors the large mass man. And he gets the hot tag. 
Yes. <laughs> in comes Heenan, and Johnny V plays a little bit of that uh, Jesse Ventura role. He's like, now you're going to see Heenan. <laughs> it's kind of your uh, Jesse Ventura with uh, Jimmy Hart going to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Bobby comes in with these punches and kick, but each one looks less effective than the last one. <laughs> so it's like very quickly you realize this is probably not a good idea. And he starts to go for the mask. So he starts pulling on the big machine's mask who's still on the ground. And this is where we get the super machine comes in and he pops the weasel. (laughs) 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 Which immediately leads to like this great stagger and he tags in stud. He's got to get out of there because he can't take any any punishment. So it's really really funny. That was the old AWA promos. They'd come up with a jack-in-the-box that had (laughs) pop goes the weasel, right? (laughs) Plunky, 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 plunky. Goes the weasel. Nice. Yeah, so so Stud's back in and he goes for this back body drop and the big machine lands a kick, which allows him to tag back in the super machine. And in back comes in. Now we really see an axe because it really looks even more like, you know, again, like this, you swear you could superimpose demolition axe into this here with he's throwing in all these uh, strikes. And Albano's on the apron waiting. Oh, yeah, 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 don't forget. Albano hides this whole yeah. match. Like, yeah, he's yeah. like, the, don't forget, there's, he's the third man. Yeah, that's right. Albano machine. So yeah, these rapid fire punches, and he he whips Stud into a corner. It's pretty, it looks pretty powerful. He follows it up with his big back elbow, like just crushing Stud in the corner. And Bundy tries to come in the ring, so he charges over there and he nails him with this sort of back elbow style hit. And he decides he's going to go at Stud one more time, but this time Stud turns the body and gets the elbow up, and he drops he drops Super Machine. So now Super Machine's in trouble, and the heels are really going to you know work him over and put the boots to him. So they bring Bundy and he's stomping and he's distracting the ref, which leaves Stud and Heenan to double team him in the corner and go after the mask. So when Bundy comes over, he tries to like do this Stud's holding big machine, uh, pardon me, Super Machine on the ropes from the apron. And Bundy comes in and the Super Machine moves out of the way. So Bundy crushes into like Stud, doesn't knock him off the apron, but basically stuns both of them. It'll totally backfires on them. And so at this point now, the Super Machine has some momentum. So he does these two really fast shoulder uh, running shoulder tackles. And he's really rocking King Kong Bundy's almost got him down. And he bounced off the rope for a third one. But that's when John Stud slides the knee in. So again, the heels take the advantage. As he's like coming off the ropes, he yeah, gets the he, knee in the back. Yeah, he bounces right. off the ropes where Stud is. So Classic Stud just sticks his knee in. Yeah, teaming exactly. heel cheating tactics. Exactly. So yeah, Bundy comes in with his knee drop. And this leads to the first cover attempt of the match. There's actually been a lot of action. And this is the first time somebody goes for a pin. Right. So the big machine comes in at two to help break the count. And as you mentioned, like, Albano's been completely absent. He's just yeah. hiding on the apron. And Johnny V calls him out. He's like, where's that fat slob, Albano? <laughs> 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 so John studs in for a whip to the ropes and another elbow and drops the masked man. He's in a lot of trouble. So again, they bring back in Bobby Heenan. <laughs> it's yes. time for Bobby to do some damage. Okay, now which machine's getting beaten up? This is Super Machine. Okay. Yeah. So Bobby comes in, but he immediately turns around to his corner. And, like, starts talking to his men about, like, directing traffic about what's right. going to happen here. <laughs> and that allows the Super Machine to roll across the ring and tag the <laughs> and tag in Lou Albano. Uh-huh. <laughs> here we go. Crowd pops huge for oh, this. Oh, yeah. They, we get this big showdown. And Heenan's immediately, like, begging off. And Albano's doing the shakes, like, just the whole time. <laughs> and there's this whole standoff in the corner. Like, Lou Albano, like, points at the ground and draws a line in the sand. Like, you're not going to, you know, yep. you're not going to cross the line. And then he puts his hands behind his back, offering for Bobby Heenan to take the first shot <laughs> yes that's right yeah go on hit me you go first exactly so Bobby Heenan uh, does engage and decides to give Lou Albano a slap to the face sort of like you know a disrespectful slap to the face mm. and Albano pops him 
And he's a former tag team champion, I'll have you know, Lou Albano. Yeah, the yeah. commentators point this out. Yeah, yeah. So he punches Bobby Heenan. So Heenan sells for it like he's just been blasted by Andre. Yeah. <laughs> and then he takes a whip into the corner. Yes. And he does the upside down. But unlike the flare, he doesn't go over the rope. He's like in the tree of woe. He like hooks yeah. his like, you know, he hooks his leg. And I think Albano comes over and gives him a few boots. So Heenan finally gets unhooked. And when he gets up to his feet, he goes, goes to the eyes, he breaks the eyes. Ah. So that's how he gets a little bit of, you know, action in on Lou Albano. And this is here where he's chagging Stud. So now we've got John Stud against the helpless Captain Lou Albano. Oh, watch out, Captain Lou. This is no music video. This is <laughs> the real thing. What happens is the, the machines decide they can't allow this. So they start to come, try and come in. But John Stud dispatches both of them. Pow, pow. He knocks both the machines man. out as they try to get in. Yeah. And now you've got Bundy and Heenan have Lou Albano in their corner. And they're double teaming them and choking them. Triple team. Yep. And that's when... Our friendly giant has had enough. Oh. So you hear this big pop because up on the apron, it's the giant machine. <laughs> he comes in across the ring, and it's a double noggin knocker for Bundy and Stud, and a big headbutt for Jim Bobby Heenan that looks like it should just kill him. And then it's just chops for everybody. Everyone's just taking a beating, and the ref's trying to like kind of break things up, but he just doesn't have a hope of it. And then Heenan somehow, like it's just so funny because Heenan keeps on, like no matter what he does, he can't get out of like Andre's reach. <laughs> You know, he keeps stumbling back in towards him and, and taking punches and stuff like that. So there's a second double noggin knocker. This time it's Bundy and Heenan get their heads racked together. And, like, the other machines aren't even in the ring. It's literally just Andre beating up, like, all three of these guys. So Doesn't need him. So Heenan bails to the outside, but he takes a punch from Captain Lou. And at this point, Stud and Bundy have left. You know, like, they're, they're out of the ring, too. So after he takes the punch from Albano, he gets back in the ring. <laughs> So now he's in the middle of the ring with Andre, takes My another God. punch, which flips him over the top rope. So yeah, he just takes a big beating. And uh, so the machines are all in there with Lou Albano, and they're all raising their hands. And we finally get the Fink announces that the villains have won by DQ, of course. <laughs> and that, cheating and, Andre. Yeah. They're like, how could it be? Oh, and Andre goodness. doesn't care. He just keeps raising everybody's hands. Yeah. I love it. You can see him do the, ah, forget it. Like, you yeah. know, just wave it off. Like, doesn't matter. Doesn't hey, matter. We won. We, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So this isn't the end of, uh, you know, Heenan's family versus the machines, but it was a it was a really nice big blow up of, uh, you know, things to come. And it was really funny. I just love getting to see Heenan. I, I know his in he injured himself when he was, you know, like a long time ago, back in his like Chicago days or whatever. But I mean, this is clearly before things really started to, let's say, pile up or catch up on him. So he could still do all his shtick. Yeah. You know? He's really awesome in this match. Very exciting. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going right from this one to like basically what I would say is the second most important match on the card and the one everyone since Saturday's main event has been just drooling for, which is a chance for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat to get his hands on Jake the Snake Roberts. And aside from some things that happened in Philly and other places, Boston, New York, the majority of people didn't see that stuff. So in their minds, this is the first time Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's ever had a chance to get his hands on Jake the Snake. Yes, it is. And the crowd is electric. The cloud would also be electric, technically. <laughs> uh, clouds are very scientific things, you see. Friction. Mm. So we don't see Jake's entrance. I don't know if he has any music yet, but he will down the road. But he does have a purple sparkly jacket, which we is novel for Jake. We don't often see him with any entrance attire. He looks like he's a bit more ready to entertain a lady for the evening. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely looks like a man robe. And no Damien. Yeah, they, they bring it up. that they, they decided it would be too dangerous to have the snake and the dragon. Right. But I also wonder if it was like maybe a border issue. Yeah, like, you know, most like likely. They didn't want to bring the animals across. Probably, exactly. 
Um, then Ricky gets his entrance with his cool, spooky music. That's right. Yeah, and uh, it's got you know the the like you say the runway is very long, so uh, he's smart. He does a half jog, otherwise you know it really. Yeah, slows yeah, down. yeah. He's running out. Yeah, it's neat. Someone pointed out the other day online, and I knew this, but I kind of had forgotten. Is that like during the classic run of the Chicago Bulls and all their championships? That's the music they use for their team. Oh, is the steamboat music. So that's okay. why like people who aren't even wrestling fans are like big time into that music. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he doesn't get particularly mauled by the fans because he's quick, he gets through them, outsmarts them. But he, uh, you know, the, the crowd is crazy for him, so he climbs up onto the apron and turns to the crowd and salutes them, and they just like roar. But uh, yeah. apparently, he's learned nothing about exactly. <laughs> the tactics. So Jake, he didn't read the, you know, the memo. <laughs> turns his back on Jake, and guess what? Yeah, he actually gets attacked. Oh my God! On the apron. So they're both still in their ring attire. I mean, he's got the gi and the headband. Jake hits him on the apron and snapmares him over the top. At least he does duck the first shot. He misses the clothes. The clothesline misses. But you're right, Jake gets him with some shots after that. But like the big one that would have knocked him to the outside to probably end the match. <laughs> like, well, that's what he did on Saturday that. night's main event. Was exactly. uh, you know a uh, but in was a it did he really uh, he gave him a short arm clothesline. After and the first clothesline. Yeah, he bounces off the ropes when Ricky's yeah, not looking. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Clothesline so that's picks not him up, a, short arm clothesline. That's not our new favorite thing, yeah. the Georgia Whip. That's right. <laughs> with a twist. With a twist. <laughs> we like the Georgia Whip with a twist. But in this case, so yeah, that's they're now both in the ring, and Jake's got the advantage because he cheated. That's right. Giving it to Ricky. So in the ring, there's a Georgia Whip and a duck, and then Ricky starts getting his chops, and the crowd oh, just goes yeah. crazy because at this point in the Saturday night's main event match, it was already over That's for right. Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> get, um, up, get up the stretcher. Yes, indeed. He gets a three. Cho- he gets chops in, and he punches him three times, and Jake is really selling it for him off the ropes slingshot and we get a backdrop and, and a backdrop the, the crowd you know giving Ricky a chance to like you know yeah. celebrate and, and the uh, pose, pose yeah, yeah for the crowd and they're just like woo they're loving it <laughs> I think know, the they... cameraman blew it because when Ricky takes his jacket off the thing's not there because in another match we watched that was a great moment where he like he right. nails Jake and then he rips off his jacket and reveals ah, his giant muscles and, no you know. <laughs> Jake bails appropriately and uh, he's on the outside stalking the ring and he removes his entertainment gear <laughs> entertaining the ladies his sparkly purple jacket and he's taunting Ricky to come out because of course Ricky got KO'd on the floor so he's like come on out here he wants to do another DDT on the concrete you can hear the fans calling for the DDT like the ones that are close to the mic that's right. right you know there's a lot of people that are you know love Jake's deadly tactics that's right I think at some point really early in the match Johnny Valiant brings up that Ricky's wearing this headband that now signifies to you know, so he'll never forget you know, yeah. the, the DDT yeah and there are many references to of course the uh, sneak attack DDT on the concrete from Saturday Night's main event so and they talk a- about that's a lot. A funny comment where they said, "Shouldn't he be wearing Canadian colors? What's that?" And then they kind of st- they think about it for a second. They're like, "Oh, red and white." And then he says, "Wasn't there like a? Isn't there an oak leaf?" <laughs> and Monsoon confirms, "Yes, there's an oak leaf." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, b- b- guys, <laughs> idiots! That ain't no true nor strong and free maple leaf." Fools. They uh, they're losing their Canadian chip cards. <laughs> so Ricky gets the advantage, which people are loving. He's got chops and he gets a two count, but then then he uh, puts an arm bar on Jake, and it's not all bad, but it does seem a bit early for a rest hold. Yeah, and so it's not a fully arrest hold because they do have a spot similar to uh, Davy Boy and Bret Hart, where uh, uh, Brutus. 
a Brutus where, you know, when the the face has got that arm so under control that they've got it locked straight and straight. twisted in a way that the, the other guy can't even take the pressure off. And then they use that locked limb to lift them right off the ground. That's and right. uh, and then in, in many cases, the, the heel will, will take a bump out of it and like kind of yep. flip and land on their back and it looks great. So we get that here. Yeah. So we- it's, it's a, a rest hold peppered with some spots. <laughs> but they do uh, um, also eventually get to the mat and Ricky's controlling Jake and he, and he does quite, he does this for quite a while where he keeps Jake under control with uh, different sort of arm bars and which is interesting because like his finisher has got nothing to do with the arm, but yeah. I mean, it's not like you really do have many finishers working the leg. Of course, it's classic horseman material and, right, yeah. and then later Bret Hart, but yeah. um, uh, working the arm. That's, you know, that's an Anderson thing. <laughs> yeah. Ole and Gene Anderson would always work the arm and they would get like these arm bar. These like arm bar, like as in just like a wrestling arm bar, not like a UFC arm bar. <laughs> submissions. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We we didn't really, thankfully, see that. I think a couple of actual legitimate submission moves made their way into the ring eventually later in the years. I think Undertaker was doing a, an arm bar for a bit. Yeah. He's Dragon Sleeper. There's, I mean, I would say definitely in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. UFC has influenced wrestling in many ways. They brought in some of the holds. They've also sort of gone to the idea that it's okay to be submitted. It's not. It's not the end of your career if you get submitted oh. anymore. You know, back in now these days, the '80s, like people, good guys couldn't just get submitted. Like that right. just wasn't a thing. Whereas now, it's like it's no problem for someone to get put to sleep or have to tap to an armbar or something because people are used to what happens in mixed martial arts, and then right. it's like anyone can catch anyone. Hmm. Okay, well that's cool. Jake tries to retaliate, but uh, his he he ducks a chop. But Ricky immediately gets the advantage back, and J- uh, Jake has a really great wobble where he's like just got rubber <laughs> legs, and and Johnny V's protesting. Nah, he's not hurt. He's uh, he's ready to strike. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake's just got a hilarious you know rubber leg walk. Yeah, super funny. There is one of Ricky's got a kind of unique kick where he's almost like you're behind him and he does a mule kick but it's not really like uh, he hits you with the whole leg like the the back of his thigh yeah, the he calf like, he, like he, his... wind, he winds the arm up so that right. he's like parallel to you but you're behind him and then like yeah like you said he does like this like reverse mule kick where it's almost like the thigh is like yeah. the striking point in the stomach or something yeah, yeah it's it, it's more like getting hit with his entire leg as opposed to his heel or the toes or, or anything like or that anything. yeah yeah so uh it, but it's also pretty unique to him so he lands that and um Jake is selling like a boss. However, and this leads to Jake going outside where he gets the advantage. Yes. He manages to uh, put the hurt on Ricky. He does a shoulder tackle into his Ricky's abs or thigh and and or maybe hip, uh, and which really hurts Ricky's Yeah, steamboat. the camera doesn't catch it very well, but definitely that's yeah. the momentum shifter right there. Mm-hmm. And they also, the way that the ring is set up is almost like wedding cake. You've got the ring on yeah. a platform and then it drops about a foot and a half to another layer that's of right. chairs you know, and tables. I, I totally, that's, this is the point I've been waiting to bring this up is that we've seen other parts of, the, of this card where we've noticed that there's like basically a raised platform. The ring is on a platform. And this is the first match where we really get a good look at it because they actually kind of step down off of it. And you see how deep it is, how, like, how, much, how much lower the ground is, let's say, than the platform. And there's a few things to talk about here. One is the sight lines for the crowd. Now, Jeff and I, if you, anyone heard the Growing Up AWA Part 2 where we talked about being at the AEW card, we had a hard time. We couldn't see the ring and we were just like two sections over. So I wonder about the sight lines in this place with 64,000 people and how hard it might have been to see. And it's cool they raised the ring up for a lot of the seats. 
But if you were on the floor, that raised up ring might have actually made it like, you know, harder for you to see in some ways. But the more important thing here to talk about with that raised stage is it's dangerous. This is what ended Rick Rude. You know, like he oh. was he was in Japan wrestling Sting on a raised platform and Sting did this flying body uh, splash from the inside to the outside. And basically Rude goes over backwards and catches the edge of that platform in the middle of his back. Oh, no. And then continued to wrestle and further hurt it came off the top rope, did all this crazy shit, and then that ended up, you know, you know, that was essentially what ended his career, his, you know, his wrestling career. Yeah, that's So terrible. luckily nothing like that happens here, but it's a, danger, it's a dangerous setup for the performers. Well, Jake uses it to his advantage in the way that, you know, you would, uh, if you wanted to break something off, sometimes you would, like, put it uh, on the table and then lean the piece you wanted to break off over the edge of the table to snap yeah, it yeah. off, right? So, yeah. you know, you've got that whole visual. Leverage. Leverage, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like uh, Ricky Steamboat's, he's got... Something underneath his body, under his, up to about his shoulder blades. Yeah. And then his head's, his, hanging, out. His head's hanging out Exposed. over. <laughs> yeah, floating over space. So it, it's a definitely a cool um, kind of, it looks like the, so deadly that. Like, and yeah. Jake does, and he gives him, he does some, some elbows and it, it looks deadly. Jake decides to take it up a notch and he goes for a chair. And luckily, Ricky Steamboat has enough presence of mind to realize the danger he's in and he managed to get the chair away from Jake. And this is a good point, actually, to make we forgot. I neglected to mention that this is a snake pit match, which means no disqualification. So Jake would have gotten away with the chair shot if he had been able to. But no, our hero rests the chair away from Jake. And Jake gets a little taste of his own medicine as Ricky smacks him with a chair. And Jake sells it like a boss. And the crowd goes crazy. Yeah, yeah, shot to the stomach and a shot to the head. Yes, indeed. I didn't. Was it a chair shot to the stomach? Oh, I, yeah, I, he, that's how he first starts. So, you know, the, the sort uh, of the, I'm going to punch you in the stomach with the chair. Right. And then I'm going to like raise this chair over my head and smash you in the head. Oh, right. Okay. Well, the other one, the second made such an impression. Of course, I, yeah. I, over, or maybe I was writing my notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think your head was down. <laughs> I was looking down. Yeah, head was down. Uh, okay. Ricky throws Jake back into the ring. And then he climbs to the third rope. And everybody's really excited because this could be the flying body press, his finishing maneuver. But no, he's got more in his offensive arsenal than that. So the other familiar attack, which is him, it it, actually, it doesn't really look that devastating (laughs) in in a way because he just jumps off and only hits you with the edge of his hand on your forehead. And the skull's a much thicker bone than these tiny little bones in your hand. So (laughs) anyway, none of that. So it's not the flying body press, but the chop to the head, which Jake sells excellently. And uh, he is just staggered and really hurt by Ricky the Dragon. And in fact, the dragon goes for a pin and we get a one, two kick out. And then they decide to slow things down a little bit with the arm bar angle again. So they're on the mat. Um, When they stand up, Ricky takes Jake head first into the corner and slams his head into the top turnbuckle. Then he climbs a second rope and we get chop after chop ended with a nice double <laughs> chop. Yeah, and yeah. then Ricky comes down and we have a, rever- a whip into the other corner, but it gets reversed. And Jake ends up whip- whipping Ricky Steamboat into the opposite corner and Ricky just sells. He dives over the top. That's right. And yeah, it looks like little... he, can- he narrowly misses the steel post. Yeah. But sort of Sells that he's hit it because he's really, really yeah. hurt. Yeah, and there's also the so, stairs are on that corner, so he kind of yeah. like la- he kind of lands on the stairs. So he has a couple of different ways of showing that he's injured, you know, Indeed. even though it, it looks like it's pretty clean. <laughs> exactly. So here's a big momentum shift. Now Jake can take over. 
And man, Jake's movements were so fluid. The snake was a great moniker for him because yeah. when he does slide through the ropes, he, he's just like for a six six guy. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, and somebody says he slithers through those ropes. <laughs> yeah, he really he's just you know really good at keeping that sort of aspect to his uh, his physicality. So he goes outside and he's uh, taking advantage of Ricky's weakness that since he had wound up on the outside after a few strikes. Jake decides to slingshot Ricky Steamboat into the steel corner yeah. post, and it looks amazing. And I think I noticed Ricky setting up the cut because he—it's—it's right. uh, it's a slow trickle, but it won't be long before we see. But and why not? He just got slingshotted yes. into the steel post in a, in a no disqualification. Anything goes match. Yeah. So, I mean, the crowd is just going crazy for this. They're really, I mean, they're getting a lot of action, a lot of cheating that's all being, that's all be allowed. <laughs> so Steamboat's just, you know, starting to squint through the blood. He's totally hurt. He staggers to the barricade and like the fans are right there, you know, like they could, you know, remove his bandana if they wanted. They're so close. <laughs> and Jake follows Ricky over there and he's more punches and chops and he's hurting Steamboat uh, at the steel barricade and people are close enough to, and he basically, Steamboat drapes himself over the barricade, you know, where people are close enough to kind of like, all right, bring it in and huddle. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to throw you the ball. You're going to need a 10 yard line. <laughs> and, uh, and so he's getting consolation from the fans. He rallies and makes his way back into the ring. But I mean, Ricky's getting battered at this point, and Jake is taunting him, and uh, he's he punches him one, two, three, four, five times. Oh, and at yeah, this point, yeah. you know, as he's trying to get the crowd to boo him, you That's can right. hear how many people love it that he's <laughs> laying right. the beats down. Yeah, yeah. There are the boos, but it was a bit earlier in the match. It was when you said there was a, I think there was a, a short arm clothesline, a, a Georgian whip, and you just heard one uh, one voice over top of everybody go. DDT! <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. The crowd is going crazy for her. Well, uh, there are a lot of Jake fans. Yeah. The, the Jake fans really, you know, are just so into it. <laughs> there were days when, like, the Sheik fought Dick the Bruiser when nobody cheered the Sheik. And, like, yeah, I watched yeah, a yeah. match where, like, Dick couldn't get his hands on him. He was such a wretched, like, wouldn't, you know, like, the, that was the whole angle. And the Sheik didn't, I don't think, spend five seconds in the ring with Dick the Bruiser. But there, I, I couldn't see anybody there who was like, yeah, Sheik, run away. And it was like, <laughs> it was definitely much more black and white than it seemed. Yes, yes. And uh, there's, because, you know, we'll see how many people in this crowd, they just love their heels in Toronto, I guess. I don't yeah, know. That's but right. <laughs> he's got a lot of support, Jake, and Paul Orndorff will as well. Now we have our beloved Georgia Whip. But alas, no twist. <laughs> and then he calls for the DDT, more cheers, you know, kind of by pointing with a one finger up to the sky. Um, so he goes for the DDT, but no, at, which is that front face lock. Yes. To start. And then um, Ricky pushes him so that he takes the turnbuckles on the back. Um, however, Jake has still got a lot of gas in the tank, so it's a knee lift, devastating mm-hmm. knee yeah, lift. Yeah, and Ricky, yeah. Ricky is still on the defensive after this powerful knee lift in the corner and then jake lays on a series of awesome offensive maneuvers and like the people that are loving jake are just going crazy for it (laughs) he starts with the reverse atomic drop which is more like i'm gonna knee you in the balls but first (laughs) i'm gonna pick you up and put you down and then my knee will be right there in your balls and you'll take it (laughs) then he does this well gorilla monsoon versus Corey draper Uh, a stomach breaker is a much i'd say you know better way to describe what happens but he calls it a inverted backbreaker (laughs) where your knees in the stomach (laughs) okay i'm hitting your back through your stomach (laughs) right 
So Jake is so fully in control, and now the blood's flowing like Ricky yeah, looks yeah, just right. devastated. Yeah. So Jake goes for the pin, but he does it by what we would now call a full mount. Where, right. you know, Ricky Steamboat's on his back. Jake basically straddles him, but, you yeah, know. knees on his shoulders, basically, right? Yeah, well, or, or armpits. Yeah, like, yeah, he's armpits. not actually holding his, his, he's not actually, say, putting pressure on the shoulders to pin right. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but, so, yeah, he's got his knees around his ribs and kind of tucked into his armpits. Yeah, sitting, sitting on his chest. Sitting on his chest, that's right. And waving his arms, like, I got yeah, him, yeah. I don't need, you know. And uh, so he's got his arms up. Ricky Steamboat has a presence of mind to bend his body. He gets his feet his heels up under the armpits of Jake the Snake and even a little higher up so that he can hook him and bring Jake back down to the mat while Ricky brings his shoulders off the mat. So they go from Ricky in the mat and Jake up to Jake on the mat and Ricky up. Yeah, and then while the last part of that sunset flip. <laughs> yes, like the last part of a sunset flip. And Jake's kicking his legs frantically, but not with one strong kick out. And so Ricky Steamboat Metz manages to get the sneaky scientific one, two, Three, and he has outsmarted Jake the Snake, and the crowd goes crazy. And Jake's in the ring, can't believe his foolishness <laughs> and how he let himself get caught. Jake is out, sorry, Ricky celebrates on the outside of the ring. Yeah. And uh, if there was any more fighting, we didn't get to see it because the edit cuts to uh, whatever happens yeah, I next. Yeah, I think he gets out of there, I guess. You know, and it's great. Jake's actually kind of doing like a bit of a toddler kind of tantrum. Like he's he's banging his own body, like sort of he's laying flat on the ground and kind of kicking his legs in such a way that he's bouncing himself up and down off the thing going, no, 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 like pounding yeah. his fist. Like can't believe that he got suckered. Yeah. So fantastic match in front of uh, a record crowd. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, this is this is one of the big things that would have drawn people there. And you know, when you look when you look back at this card, this is definitely a key key matchup that was going to be the thing that you know people are coming to see. You have to say like obviously Hogan Orndorff this match, and then you know the Machines and and the Heenan family. Those are your your key three like selling points of like, hey, everybody come see this. A few more matches to, before we can get to that big main event. So another match we see, and it's kind of interesting because this feud builds heat over time. So this is like an early match. And these guys have actually fought outside the WF, you know, I found out, like, before hit this. So this is almost like a continuation. So we, what we have is Billy Jack Haynes versus Fred Blassie and Slicks man Hercules. Although he does not have a manager with him, so he's on his own. And, uh, is he Hernandez? Yeah, he's still Her Hercules Hernandez until, like, I think, like, 87-ish, sometime in 87, probably after WrestleMania three. It might even be around the time that he switches to being a good guy that he kind of just starts going with just Hercules, you know. Mm. Um, so, again, we talked in the first part of this episode that Hercules didn't, you know, the big hair wasn't quite as cut as he would become, kind of missing some of the signature. He's starting to progress, in my mind, in this match. He's starting to look a bit more like the Hercules that I'm thinking of from the fall of 86 and through 87. So one of the big things, he's got white wrist tape on, and that just helps define like his body for whatever reason. As silly as it sounds, like it's just a bit of white tape, but it kind of helps give him this certain look. And when I watched this match, I was kind of pleased because... I've seen Billy Jack Keynes have some pretty plodding matches in the WF. He doesn't do a lot of stuff often, and we saw a pretty weak match with Hercules and Tony Atlas. But you know they they do they do a pretty good job here. I think like so. The one thing you got to note, which is really strange, is that you end up with just Gorilla commentating, and it sounds like it's been edited in. And I don't know why that would be if they're replacing the original commentary. If the original match had no commentary, it kind of you can definitely tell there's a different sound quality. And Gorilla's by himself. There's no there's no Ernie Ladd. There's no Johnny V. He makes mention of he's not sure where they are. But he does kind of slip up if he's trying to keep the illusion that this is like he's just commentating from the show. He at one point says 
that since this match went down, Slick has taken over half of the, you know, so he basically makes a comment. Oh, right. Like, blows you know, his cover. Yeah, he totally blows his cover on it. So, uh, but, you know, you have these power men and it's a, you know, it's a neat look for a match and stuff like that. So they have a stalemate originally, you know, like there's some push-offs and some lock-ups and te- uh, tests of strength and stuff like that. They do pick up speed at one point. There's some rope running and, Hercules does actually a really nice looking leapfrog, and Billy Jack Haynes leaps over top of Hercules when he's going for a back body drop. And then Hercules gets in this clothesline, and this is what I'm talking about the clothesline. It actually looks like the Hercules clothesline. He kind of has a very specific way of delivering it, so it's kind of there. There's a bear hug spot that Billy Jack Haynes, you know, escapes. And then there's one spot where Herc actually kind of just picks up the pace, and he nails like several punches, and then three in a row elbow drops to the mat. Bang, bang, bang. And he goes for a two count. And at this point, someone in the crowd yells, come on, Yorkson, learn how to count, <laughs> like complaining to the ref. <laughs> and it was nice timing because Gorilla made mention of the ref. He gave the name of the ref like moments earlier. So it actually kind of made it made sense. Yorkson? Yorkson, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really recognize that ref. He wasn't, they, all the refs in this event aren't, I guess they're, you know, maybe local guys or whatever that don't get on TV a lot or something. Mm. So, so we'll just kind of skip ahead through the match. There's uh, not a ton of things that, you know, we need to look at. Uh, Haynes has some offense, of course, and he gets a he gets a cradle backbreaker at one point. And after a two count, he tries to apply the dreaded full Nelson. And this is their thing down the road. They're going to have the battle of the full Nelson between these guys. So this is an early version of it. But Hercules gets out of it by doing that heel tactic where you like lift your own your leg up between yourself, the groin shot, you know, to to get out of the uh, full Nelson. So that's pretty cool. Hercules gets him on the outside and is like punishing him as he's trying to get back into the ring and he delivers a nice vertical suplex. Don't see uh, Hercules doing a lot of suplexes, but that was kind of cool. And there's a really big clothesline and there's a two count, but Billy Jack Haynes has his feet on the ropes. So Hercules gets up and prematurely celebrates as the as the heels always do, like Nik- Nikolai showing us how he how this is how you can do this well. Turns his back to Billy Jack Haynes. So Billy Jack rolls him up, but Hercules escapes. But the next very next move Hercules tries what I would call a Rick Rude-looking neckbreaker. And Billy Jack Haynes slides his hands up and breaks that grip and then applies a backslide for the one, two, three. A clean scientific win. That's right, yeah. So it's yeah, really neat because, like, you know, like I said, like this, if you think of Billy Jack Haynes and the WWF, you know, really the only thing you're going to really clearly point to is his feud with Hercules. So this is like an early version of it. Cause That's it's, true, yeah. He was a um, brief... Only there very briefly, and it, uh, it about a year. But he just doesn't have much. You know, he has some jobber squash matches, and he doesn't get any Saturday main events. Doesn't get any. I'm sure he's done a couple of the Coliseum tapes, but like, yeah, there was there's a limited set of moves. What I was hoping to see in this match was a press slam because both these guys are awesome at press slams, and I've seen Billy Jack press slam Hercules. So you know, mm. but uh, didn't well, here, get it. Here's an example of uh, Vince McMahon taking somebody who would be the main event, the highlight of an evening, Oregon, That's Billy right, Jack yeah. Haynes. Yeah. But here, there's like, he's got all the main adventures from all over the country, so you're just <laughs> going to be in get, like... Get in line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and the result is a less than stellar match. Yeah. And it's too bad, you know, like, in a I way. I think this match was pretty decent, I think. Like, it was pretty it was pretty okay. Like, I, I, I was expecting it to be slower and less entertaining, so right I, I will give it a little bit of well then maybe not so much a criticism of this match but rather yes. his run yeah his uh, run for in sure yeah the wwf where he you know like i said like he had one thing going on in oregon and then he came here and, and didn't achieve any of that kind of yeah. excitement that's right well i will say this his jacket was beautiful yeah they had that gold jacket and a bit of the yeah. green coloring and got the i think he comes in with like a i don't know what you would call it the the, the yellow band around his neck as well it's not it's not the uh it's not it's not like the bow tie it's not the uh 
the fabulous ones bow yeah. tie, but it's a... Yeah, I wonder what the significance is, but uh, we all know what that he's a... What hat would you call that? It's not a bowler? That, uh, yeah, exactly. It's not a pork pie hat, but or maybe it is. We're going to have to look that up, but <laughs> it's it's back when people had different hats instead of that's everybody right. wears a baseball cap, and that's <laughs> it. Nothing else. Okay, we got a couple of matches to go, and this is a this is a pretty big one coming up. There's a tag team match involving some Canadians. Okay, the next match has another Canadian babyface versus heel from far away situation. <laughs> it's the Rougeau brothers versus the Dream Team, Greg the Hammer Valentine and Brutus Beefcake. You could almost think that Valentine's teaming with the Rougeaus because they've all I got said, matching yeah. red trunks. <laughs> but there's a part where, like, early on, it's like both Rougeaus and Valentine all in the ring together, yeah. and they look like a six-man tag. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Against Brutus Beefcake. That's right. Ed Leslie, triple threat. So the uh, – but the let's just stop for a second. Like, the, the Who brothers, they have – so far not appeared on our show and they've not appeared on Saturday night's main event. So uh, yeah, they were part of this sort of like 1986 expansion of tag team wrestling. And they, they started showing up in the cards. I started showing them in the listings. I think I made like name drop them a couple of times as far as like, Oh, there's this match and this match, but nothing that we actually reviewed or saw um, the matches we were able to find of, of that day uh, were basically them fighting jobbers also the fact that whatever it was that we were reviewing didn't include them so they kind of weren't you know part of the focus but the they you know it's a, the Rougeaus have a rich history in Canada of wrestling and the, their family promoting wrestling in province of Quebec and which is its own you know sort of world of wrestling and and they're gonna get comfortable here at the WWF <laughs> yeah so I mean I think this is a good run for them here is 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 good guys I think they're even funnier when they get switched over to being heels I think that's even yeah. better for them I think Jacques Rousseau is like a natural heel so like you know he can come in and play the baby face and do the drop kicks and do all that but I think he's much better as the whiny sort of complaining <laughs> yeah Johnny V's in the booth about you know Two miles up, yeah. just got six, you know, 40 stories up. That's uh, makes for a fun angle to this. Yeah, match. this reminds me a little bit of like sort of like a Bobby Heenan, like watching Ric Flair or somebody wrestle, like where he's trapped and he can't, you know, I gotta go down there. And yeah. like, you know, <laughs> it's a kind of a lengthy match. It wasn't my favorite. We're not gonna go blow for blow. There are typical angles playing being played out the scientific babyface team uses uh you know they, tags. yeah their their double teaming is is scientific that's you right know. <laughs> good guy double teaming technically no double teaming move you know no team move is legal really i don't yeah, think there's yeah <laughs> i like uh raymond he, he's Ray got a five count what are you talking about <laughs> raymond would always do a nice uh, savat kick and Monsoon refers to it as a mule kick. I haven't seen one of those in 10 years, he says. I but, wondered uh, about that. I yeah, was like, and who, yeah. <laughs> who was that 10-year, who did that mule kick 10 years ago? <laughs> well, I mean, I remember somebody else has been doing that kick since. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I found it really funny when Johnny V would basically be like, he started off all cocky and confident that he didn't need to be down there. And then as soon as they started losing, he's like, I got to go down there. And then when they get the, the advantage back, he's like, see, I'm, I, I knew I didn't need to be down there. He's yeah. kind of like playing that whole angle. Mm -hmm. And Ernie Ladd just goes like quiet. He's like, I don't know if he's tired or if they turned his mic off or, but he doesn't, I don't think he says one thing this entire match. You see him there in the bet, you know, like when they show them in the booth, like he's there, but he's just not saying a thing. Yeah, he's fairly background in this uh, whole happening, this whole event, the big event. <laughs> big cat, Ernie Ladd. Yeah. I, um, you know, he wrestled Andre back in the day, and yeah. he measures up. He's, uh, you know, just a couple inches taller than, than, uh, than Andre the Giant, or sorry, shorter. That's right. Uh, than Andre the Giant. It wasn't my favorite match. 
towards the end, you see them double team Raymond over and over again, where they sort of like, he'll be thrown backwards into either the ring apron or the turnbuckle and they keep injuring his lower back and spine area by by doing that so that's that's a big angle and and the second half of the match you know after the sort of the faces have demonstrated scientific superiority then they uh in in the second half the heels use their cheating tactics to trap Raymond and batter him down. And, and they, yeah, they're really working his lower back, including a bear hug from uh, Greg Hammer Valentine, which is uncharacteristic. That's I really right, yeah. not seen a lot of that from him. Beefcake looks good still. Uh, he's going to get very silly looking in the years to come, <laughs> but he's still looking cool here. Yes. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I'm enjoying the dream team is one of my favorites, but this just didn't have, I guess part of the reason is that we have such a high expectation from the dream team, having seen great matches with the Bulldogs. You're like, well, why couldn't this be an offensive showcase? But the the Rougeos, their offenses are more roll-ups and things. There's not a lot of, like, impact, powerful, damaging moves the way that the Bulldogs, you know, just kept the pace going crazy. So I suppose it's a little unfair, but um, that match between... I I did get a lot of enjoyment out of Jock's very vocal and, like, the things that made him a great heel or or you're almost hearing them here except for he's using them in a different way, which is he's just constantly complaining about the cheating, double-teaming that's going on. He's yelling at the ref to get the ref to turn around and go back. And he's yelling at Raymond, Raymond! Yeah, 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 do yeah. this! Do this! <laughs> he's really loud. You know, like he's like, how to break the... He's like kind of like, like rake his eyes, making or, you know, like push his chin. He's, making, <laughs> That's he's right, the gesturing push the to push yeah, the chin, yeah, yeah, like yeah, from yeah. the... Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's louder than any tag team partner I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah. And he goes on to be an excellent heel and they use him very well. Raymond will um, get a microphone. That's right. And uh, Jacques will get a belt. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's all kinds of crazy backstage uh, antics to talk about with the... They're, they're not necessarily all very peace and love inspiring, but no. they and then they've been well documented, but they are interesting and we'll get around to them eventually. The heels do fall to a scientific roll-up pin where it's a clean one, two, three after about 15 minutes. Yeah, Valentine's going for... Oh, basically, there's been the double teaming and what you end up with is the Rougeaus try to counter that, but like get thwarted. But as we've seen in a lot of other tag team matches, the ref escorts out, let's say, Beefcake. And Valentine is applying, in the middle of applying the figure four. And then there's Raymond, who's not the legal man, comes in for the sunset flip, you know, as Greg's bent over trying to, you know, finish off this figure four on Jacques. And he gets, that's how he gets that pin. Thank you. That is exactly is right. Now I recall the finish uh, more specifically that you bring it up. Mm -hmm. And this is, for me, like, when I rewatched this last week, the first time, because I watched this card twice in the last week. The first time I watched it, I'm watching the match, and I'm like, okay, I remember them wrestling each other here. Not a lot's ringing through to me. Like, I've seen this card so many times when I was young, but I'm like, eh. And then this this ending. This ending was like the, the that's what, you know, like triggered all the memories. And I was like, oh, my God, that, that sunset flip. But more importantly, the immediate angle change by the camera to the back shot of Johnny V freaking out up in the uh, booth looking down. Yeah. Oh, no, no, he's freaking out. Yeah. And it's great because they're telling him, like, they start pointing out during the replays that, uh, Raymond wasn't legal man and Johnny V's like loving this because it's like so happy. It's, it's like his evidence that he's going to take to court or whatever you yeah, know? So and relieved. then Monsoon informs him that there won't be a change and the look of you know he's just so sad like when he realizes that even with this proof that he's still it's still a loss yeah so it, and, and weighing two things here like you've got the number one contenders against you know for the Bulldogs title really effectively because going into the fall the dream team are still effectively like the top team against the Bulldogs and the next Saturday's main event we're going to see a match again between them really great match 
So it's weird that they would lose on a big card like this, but then on the flip side of the coin, they're in Canada, so they're like yeah. they're playing up the Canadian things. Right. But in Canada, there's pretty much a rivalry. There's not, you know, there's in many ways the whole Quebec versus the rest of Canada. Like you're in Toronto, so you're not. It's not like the card's not in Montreal. So yeah. like, it, you know, I don't know. I didn't like, see too many Habs jerseys out exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that would mean the Montreal hockey team, the Habitant. Like even just to illustrate what Corey's saying, we call them the Montreal Canadians in Quebec. They're not called the Canadians. So they're called les habitants, as in yeah. like you know, j'habite ici means I live here. So basically, the livers, <laughs> <laughs> fried onions and liver dinner. Yeah, um, but so, and it's just part of our culture here in Canada, where um, yeah, people who have a francophone identity do not necessarily want to be identified as Canadians. Yeah, but uh, you know, these uh, there's still something about it where they, they, they the Rougeau certainly got their cheers. And until they started waving those American flags and walking around with Jimmy Hart, uh, you know, they it wasn't like they were getting booed or anything. But yeah, they they worked well. They worked well as faces. They worked well as heels. And there's lots of good stuff coming up with them. This match wasn't as exciting as it could have been, but it was still like a pretty key spot. Yeah, I just I would have liked to see more offense from the Rougeau brothers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Not, you know, so much the uh, clever roll-ups and outsmarts. Yeah. I, I wonder what this whole card, for example, instead of having the three-man booth we had, if we had Gorilla and Jesse. I think it would have made us feel differently about the card a little bit. Probably, yeah. Better laughs. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> He's going for the figure four again. Oh, look at that. Okay, we're on the second last match, and what we have is like basically two legends of wrestling here. We've got these two like big stars of the 70s. We've got two former world champions. We've got a seven-time former champion, NWA champion, Harley Race. We've got our triple crown champion and Pedro Morales, and it's kind of neat. And we saw, this is the, uh, maybe better said, uh, the rematch of the King of the Ring final. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that we right, talked right. about in the first, uh, yes. the first segment. So the match starts slightly in progress. It's hard to tell how much of the match we've lost. King Harley Race, as he's being called in the WAF now, is a member of the Heenan family, but because Heenan's been beaten up in the previous match and because he's coming out with Orndorff, Heenan does not come out for this match. Which is sort of almost like a, a bit of reality as far as like, you know, like you know, it doesn't make sense that he's like, if he did come out with Harley, I don't know, it kind of, A, it takes away this a bit of the steam of him coming out with Orndorff, and then two, it's sort of like, well, didn't all that shit that Andre did to him like mean anything? Right. So. He's recovering. Yeah. Another thing to note here as this match starts is Harley Race is no slouch in the uh, vocalization game. <laughs> He's uh, he's making a lot of noise. If you listen to a Harley Race match, he's uh, he's quite verbal and loud and making grunting noises all the time and and get some like some chuckles out of that. There's a really unique spot where basically Pedro gets thrown onto the timekeeper's table, which is up against this platform. So it's basically flat and level 
with the platform, and he basically falls like on the timekeeper bell, ding, <laughs> like, right. and then Harley Race delivers the headbutt <laughs> while he's laying on that timekeeper's bell. So that was like an interesting look and stuff like that. Morales, while he's on the outside, he gets rammed into the post. Uh, later on in the match, he reverses a suplex, so that's pretty cool. Pedro kind of has that thing where he always would clap, and then he'd like you know he'd punch you in the stomach and give a clap, or <laughs> throw you off mm-hmm. the ropes and clap, and then the clap let you know the punch was coming or something like that. Right, I think yeah. it was like a signal. <laughs> so yeah, so basically just to kind of wrap up this match, it's really short actually. It's a very quick match. So Pedro's given some punches to race in the corner, and Harley just does a simple double leg takedown, and then gets in for like the 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 flat pin. He's not like they're not like across. They're like you know they're parallel with each other. On so he's laying on top of them like they're I don't know I don't we won't go down that road. And Harley Race gets his feet up on the second rope for the total leverage, and you get the one two three. The and cheater. That's right. And that's pretty funny. The, uh, <laughs> the gorilla says, let's take a look at how the refs beat Pedro Morales. <laughs> he blames the ref for the, for the loss. Oh, boy. I like that. Under the bus. Yeah. Okay. So that's the match that's going to get us to why we're all here, why there's 64 or 74 or how many ever tens of thousands of people are here. They're here to see two men. They're here to see the result of the clothesline heard around the world. Did you say his son has been retweeting our stuff? Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's awesome. A, there's a Mr. Wow. Wonderful uh, Twitter account. And I'm, I, you know, I've only gotten on Twitter just for this podcast. I was never a Twitter person. So, but I'm, you know, trying to help. You are, a, I, have, I, I would rather, t- you are a Twitch and a fool. Twitch and a fool, sir. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so, at some point in the last week, I noticed uh, that, you know, we got like a like from this account. And I went and checked it out. And I was like, oh, it's the official Twitter account for Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff. It's actually managed by a, a, a gentleman who's on behalf of Paul's son. And I've been so I've been checking out their stuff. And it's pretty funny. I've been getting some good laughs. He posted one the other day that was himself. One of the tweets that came out from the Paul, Mr. Wonderful account was basically like, I guess Hulk Hogan, for whatever reason, was trending. And it said, Hogan, Hogan's trending. Well, what about this? And it was the meme of, like, the clothesline. <laughs> it, was, it was really nice. So, yeah, that, that account has uh, liked a couple of our posts and retweeted one of our uh, replies to them and uh, loved that idea of even being that semi-adjacent to someone in wrestling that uh, obviously we can't interact with a, a gentleman who's no longer with us, but uh, uh, fans of Mr. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, you that's know, great. That's fun. We've uh, certainly... Spent a lot of time in this, you know, our uh, our shows that we've done so far, and even stuff we haven't even released yet, like the uh, the Patreon episode that's coming out for the uh, Mister Wonderful episode about this this summer and all these details. You know, that's that's kind of drawn the attention of people that are fans of his. So if you're a fan of the Mister Wonderful stuff, then you'd be a fan of our show. You've come to the right place. What more could you want from a wrestling match? Sixty five thousand people, the open air, just it's. It's amazing. So Paul Orndorff comes to the ring first, of course. Too real American to rub it in Hogan's nose. Yeah, And he's got a beautiful silver bedecked blue ring robe with, uh, he spells wonderful, number one, O-N-E, not W-O-N. And uh, with a little number sign, so wonderful. And uh, Heenan came up with a little chant, wonderful. Wonderful. And you can hear that actually in the crowd. At one point in the match, you can hear the people <laughs> doing that. The wonderful. Yeah. Golden opportunity here for one Paul Orndorff. This is what he wanted. This is what he got. This is what he did to get here. Humiliated the world's heavyweight champion. I'm surprised Hogan didn't get an interview, but yeah, that's okay. Right. Yeah. Hogan's entrance 
is pretty huge. A continuation of the same song. Yeah. <laughs> they, I don't even know if they bothered stopping and starting it up again. They just let it roll. And I mean, like him coming down. This is this, we've been talking about his outfit so much. You know, yeah. like now Hogan's got his. You know, homogenized. Yes. Uh, this is what he's going to wear pretty much for the next, you know, 10 years, it seems. Yeah. So yellow boots and yellow trunks and red knee pads. Yeah. And as far as on his way to the ring, well, I think there would be a helmet at one point. That he yeah, would, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, I missed most of that that one yeah. summer, I think. But, but often he's got a headband and he clamps his teeth on it. Yeah. Or it's the pirate look or he's or he's got it in his mouth, one of the two. <laughs> yeah. He's even got the vented shirt. Like it's like his his shirt is the yellow shirt with the red Hulkamania writing, and okay. like you know, so it's like he's even evolved that part of his look. It's it's literally the it's the toy. It's like what you see on the lunchbox. Quite so, because he had a white American made T shirt yeah, as lots. recently as when uh, George Steele wore Hogan's T shirt. <laughs> right. So now we've settled on the red and yellow. Yeah, for good and all. Well, we'll see. Maybe it'll, maybe one of those other ones will sneak in. But you're right. I think most of mostly he's going to be in this. Right. His uniform. Mm-hmm. Mr. Wonderful is clean white, white trunks, white knee pads, white boots. And, That's right. uh, you know, <laughs> looks like exactly good guys wear white. Everybody knows that. <laughs> so the crowd is really pumped and Hogan can't wait for his revenge. And uh, the build, you just can't really do much better. You know, I think right. I was thinking about it. And like, if this is the feud of Hogan's career, then maybe this is the match of the because like this is I think this might be the best match of the feud. Well, you know, I'll reserve judgment until we watch the next Saturday night's main events match. But this is, I mean, with you know that that many people and just the atmosphere and uh, you right. know, it's uh, it's amazing. Okay, and so again, let's, it kind of feels like it's the first time they fought since this whole thing. It's probably not the case, but like yeah. you know, it feels like it. It feels like that. It feels like WrestleMania. It's 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 fucking it's amazing. Yeah. I'm looking for Liberace, you know, it's to ring. It's really dark out now, like in these yeah. last couple of matches, which mm-hmm. gives it like the WrestleMania three thing of going from day to night. We were already kind of at dusk when this card started, so you don't have that stark contrast. But still, there's definitely those last few matches and then this one. So much darker, so much, you know, which makes the ring really pop and, like, mm. you know, stand out. So, of course, the referee has to check the wrestlers for foreign objects, <laughs> right. you know, and uh, potential illegal. Well, I think Hogan even requests it. Oh yeah, he points at Orndorff and points at his boots, <laughs> which is which is prophetic and awesome. <laughs> yeah, because when Hogan's getting his trunks oh and knee pads God. and boots checked, clothesline by I, Paul Orndorff. I, I think this is one of the greatest sneak attacks, like during one of those moments I've ever seen. Like it's so yeah. awesome because Hogan, like Jeff just said, he has his foot up in the air, so he doesn't have his base, he doesn't have his balance. He's just completely vulnerable <laughs> to this awesome clothesline. It's totally great. I can't believe it. What does Gorilla Monsoon say? Sucker shot? Sucker where's, shot? Where's my Pearl Harbor? Harbor? Where's my Pearl Harbor, girl? You maybe, cannot do this to maybe me. Maybe it's because they're in Canada. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. You can't give me one million Pearl Harbors and then take it away with sucker shot. Sucker Just like shot. that. That sounds like a Dusty no, Road saying. Yeah. Sucker shot. <laughs> We're going to do the correction section. Sucker shot tour. Take your business. Slam the sucker down with the sucker shot. So, yeah, instead of, uh, anyway, <laughs> oh, no, Gorilla Monsoon does not call it a Pearl Harbor job, but it sure is. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it really was a great opener. And this gives Paul Orndorff the early advantage. Yeah. 
So he's booting Hogan because this clothesline drops him, as Corey pointed out. He only, was only standing on one leg, so Hogan's down on the mat. <laughs> and it's great. And he's getting the boots, and he gets some punches. And then they kind of do that, the like two drunks at the bar, the scuffling, where one guy's choking, and then, and then they roll around. The other guy's on top. And right. it doesn't yeah, yeah. really go back. And It kind of looks like they're going to do that for a bit, the yeah. rolling. But Hogan kind of winds up not really in a mount. He's a, a sort of... A, period would be but beside him he's now he's laying punch he's on his yeah, knees he's on top a bit. Yeah, yeah he's on on top he's on his knees but orndorff's on his back so yes. it's hogan who's laying some punches onto orndorff's head and uh, and people are getting excited because yeah. you know hogan has rallied from this sucker shot hogan is a cheater <laughs> we know that <laughs> yeah because he it's great he punches orndorff like you know and the rogue and, and the ref's like one two three Four. And like, come on. And Hogan stops, looks at the ref, kind of pouts, and goes yeah. back to punching Orndorff again. <laughs> Wait, and then, and then the, this this ref, okay, we got to know more about him. He grabs Hogan's hair. Oh, it's beautiful. Double yeah. handful of like what Hogan has remaining because you can sort of track the months by his receding <laughs> little, you know, what he, he had something in the forehead like yeah, when we yeah, started yeah, yeah. this show. But now there's just like the <laughs> wispy much. outlines. Yeah. yeah. Ghost hair. Uh, but anyway, this ref who I want to ask about oh, uh, is yanking on Hogan's hair and pulls him up and says, stop him from punching Orndorff. It's yeah. like really great. Um, and it's because, <laughs> yeah, he takes matters into his own hand. So this allows Orndorff to rally a bit and they trade shots oh back and forth. God. Big haymakers swing, take it, swing, take it, swing, take Orndorf it. Orndorff looks like a fucking badass here. He's not some chicken shit heel. He's yeah. out there to kick Hogan's ass and he just keeps coming at him. Yeah. And even when Hogan finally starts to like, because they're just trading blows back and forth, like bang, 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 bang. And when Hogan starts to get the advantage and knocks Orndorff back down, he like, he gets up again and he's like, screw this. I'm like, I'm not, you know, I won't be denied. I'm coming in and I'm going to get in your face and fight you. Absolutely. It winds up outside of the ring very quickly after that exchange of uh, awesome blows yeah. that uh, Corey just, you know, was uh, enthusing about. But Hogan does get the better of it, and, and, and Orndorff does get knocked down, and that's what he decides to roll out of the ring. That's right, yeah. Once, you know, the Hogan's, third time, I think, yeah. yeah. The crowd is just going fucking crazy. This gives Hogan a chance to, like, you know, pimp the crowd now yeah. that when Ho an Orndorff rolls. And he's got a way, of too, of celebrating where he kind of hops on one leg and, you know, the other one's kind of raised up. <laughs> and, and gesturing. Yeah, and just, you really feel it. You know that, that this crowd is having such a great time. Paul Orndorff. He's, he's a man enraged. Bobby comes, comes over to console him or maybe advise him, <laughs> yeah. and he shoves Heenan. The cameraman cuts away, but, you know, you can see he's going for the push, and then the commentators make mention of it. Yeah. And, you know, just Orndorff's out of his mind, pushing That's his own right. manager. He gets back inside to the, rather, Mr. Wonderful goes back inside the ring, but not for long. It's a freakout. He comes outside the ring very quickly and grabs <laughs> Hogan's heels and pulls him outside the ring right. to see if he can turn the tables uh, on the floor. So we have some strikes in the floor, but Hogan blocks and he gets the advantage. And they you know, get back into the ring pretty quickly. There is a classic Hogan offense, which would be an Irish whip, followed by a clothesline once the guy's prone in the corner and yeah, they're face-to-face. Yeah. -face. In this case, Paul Orndorff takes the clothesline, falls to the mat, which gives Hogan a chance to drop an elbow. And I mean, like, each move is getting a huge pop yeah you know and uh, for the, the the cheers you can just you know wow it's they're they're so into this hogan keeps going he's got a a headbutt orndorff is in the the corner orndorff however at one point when he's like sort of got his butt on the ring and he looks like he's pretty injured he manages to punch <laughs> hogan in the gut which doubles 
Hogan over gives Orndorff a chance to kind of scramble away and recover. But Ho- Hogan does a very obvious, like, ooh, doubles over and sticks his face right out of the ring so oh, that yeah, his yeah, face yeah. is like <laughs> a foot and a half, two feet outside the ring, giving Heenan a perfect opportunity to wind up and give him a big smack on the face. But that just makes him mad. He's just <laughs> like, yeah, he sla- kind of like we said before, he slaps him awake. <laughs> yeah, he just stands up perfectly erect. Get that Bobby in the brain. But it's great because, of course, it distracts uh, Hogan from Orndorff. But then we have some poor tactics by Paul Orndorff. Yeah. Instead of like a knee to the back, which yeah, is guaranteed. Attack of mine. Exactly. He's, he's like, hey, buddy, remember me? You're yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Clothesline. Of, yeah, you ever heard about the clothesline of the world? He ta- anyway, so he turns Hogan around yeah. to punch him, which gives Hogan the opportunity to block Orndorff's blow. And uh, yeah. he, instead, it's Hogan who is getting the upper, uh, the upper hand because of the poor choice, Mr. Orndorff. Hogan follows that up with an atomic drop which Paul Orndorff sells so well, he headbutts himself into the top, top turnbuckle. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. He takes the atomic drop and yes, kind of springboards yes. and takes himself. the... Yeah. yeah. Headbutt, top turnbuckle, yeah. bong. Face first. <laughs> yeah. So it's fucking awesome. And this leads to, uh, you know, the weasel getting Hogan's attention yeah. and a weasel chase. So uh, Bobby the Brain... Must be taunting him because Hogan goes outside the ring right. and does that. This, of course, is another opportunity for Mr. Wonderful to recover. So the uh, the idea is, you see, that uh, while Hogan's like chasing Bobby Heenan around, Orndorff gets up and gets ready to attack Hogan as he chases Bobby through the ring, which is part of the, yes. the deal. So that sucker falls for it. Jesse would always relish <laughs> in how the, the heels could never seem to see this one coming. Yeah. <laughs> they always fall for it. <laughs> the baby faces, you mean. I'm sorry, thank you. Yes, the baby faces always fall for this tactic, even though they're supposed to outsmart the bad guys, but in this case, they're easily outsmarted. <laughs> Caught coming in is how Gorilla Monsoon per- puts it, and we hear the fans of Mr. Wonderful because he's got the advantage based on the weasel chase. Yeah. He's laying the boots and the strikes, and, and we can hear, wonderful, wonderful. It's pretty awesome. There's actually a part where you can hear, like, Orndorf, Orndorf, and then like the Hogan fans are like, Wah! so they overpower it in the same timing. It's like Hogan, Hogan, like it's almost like Vince got his editors in there later, but it was you know that pocket of Orndorf fans yeah. catching the attention of the larger group of Hogan fans who are like, right. we'll show you, and they drown them out with their own chant. You'll hear that <laughs> yeah, yeah, at our yeah. our, uh, our hockey game sometimes. That's like, right, exactly. There'll yeah. be the battle, the chance who can do the same timing at the same, who will be louder, and who's going to register. That's right. It's actually really fun so anyway but it is really great to hear that people are cheering Orndorff there's a lot of people who oh, want man. Orndorff to win there's yep. a massive sign did you see like the, oh, the six yeah, by it's, foot it's backwards to us it was yeah. hard to read but it's almost like on a bed sheet yeah it's see through yeah. yeah and on a couple of uh, like four foot sticks so that they can spread out the banner and it's all it's definitely supporting Paul Orndorff yeah, for that's sure. for sure yeah it says Mr. Wonderful something something yeah so uh, Paul is battering Hogan and, and his fans ah. are just loving it he's kicking them he's giving them these knees and he's got these awesome knees where he puts his foot uh, uh, in the middle. He, okay, so he's by the ropes, but he's not in the corner. And he'll put his foot on the second rope yeah. and jump up and almost like a lion salt, the way that Jericho gets the momentum from right. the lion yeah, salt. Yeah. Without a flip. Yeah, without a flip. He just like sort of steps on that second and rope. Launches himself up. Launches himself up and then comes with a knee yeah. in the back of Hogan's head. And he the part where Monsoon's like, come on get in there he's using the ropes for leverage and it's like everyone does that what are you talking about yeah come on and they look great so Hogan is selling for Orndorff and then there's a big kind of a cross Hogan gets near the ropes 
Orndorff does what Monsoon calls an uppercut. Looks like it might have been a clothesline, but just winds up as a strike <laughs> of some kind. Of, yeah. and Ho- but Hogan sells and spills out back to the ring. So the action goes outside again. We get one of the best suplexes I've ever seen outside of the ring. Nice. Orndorff gets Hogan up and just, sla- you know, uh, he falls. And he, they, I was expecting a block. Yeah, this is yeah, off right, so yeah. obviously where Hogan blocks it and yes. it backfires. Instead, Hogan takes a vertical suplex. It's not a snap suplex. doesn't need to be. It looks great. It's awesome. And then Monsoon says, nothing but steel there. As you can see, the blue mats. Like We don't exactly. know how thick they are, but we can see. Yeah, you. really, this might be the first time in these shows we've been watching where there's mats because they've been doing a lot of, you know, open floor, you know, on the outside. But because I guess the setup was done by, you know, Canadian promoters, so... Safety um, first, day. Eh? Safety first. <laughs> this gives Mr. Wonderful a great opportunity to swagger back into the ring, take his time, taunt crowd, and like slow the pace down to the match a little bit, but not bore you, just like build him the heat. That's right. It's just awesome. He won't let Hogan back in. He's like, you know, <laughs> he's uh kneeing him as like of course you can't you don't if you can't win the title that way, That's you right. know, you but just- Ride the line. <laughs> exactly. Because the ref will warn you, but if he keeps counting, you'll lose your opportunity to take the gold. He decides to go back outside Orndorff, and he does what we were talking about earlier, in a way, that like he pulls Hogan so that, again, Hogan is in the ring, but from his shoulder blades down, but his head and neck are exposed, yeah. and that leverage attack again. So Orndorff does this kind of battering, and he's hitting him, yeah. you know, that way, that, that but not down on the lower, like he's still in the ring, as opposed to Jake was hitting Ricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this I, is the part that. where Ernie Lazarus sort of admonishing Orndorff that he's like doing the wrong tactics that he's got to stay on him gotta say which is funny because it's we like finally hear he's, from... he's nailing him with elbows and knees and I'm like what, what do you want him to do yeah <laughs> it seems like once per match the you know somebody's got to say he's making a mistake right here a terrible mistake you gotta you know like yeah, yeah. they always know better when they're not in the ring <laughs> that's right backseat backseat driver backseat wrestler yeah, so Hogan's terribly wounded. And then we get something that you don't see every day. People are throwing trash. So That's right. Orndorff grabs a fucking soda can and does the, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. does the rake of the eyes. <laughs> and you're like, okay, whatever, until he lets it go. And you hear that telltale tinkle, tinkle. Like, no, that was a fucking soda can. So yeah, it wasn't he, just a piece of paper cup or something. He yeah. was safe and careful with it. Yeah. But uh, on the other hand, like, that's... Pretty, you know. He, he he almost to me it looked like he picked it up, put it in his hand, and then took the back of his hand and rubbed it on Hogan's face while he held on to the item. So that way the, the item's oh, not even touching Hogan, but it just it gives the illusion that he's raking it. They did it so face. well. I watched it the once, and it's yeah. I, I bought it. I swallowed it hook, line, That's and right. sinker. It was just fucking great. And I'm like, <laughs> he's opening the can, and <laughs> he's like scraping him with the tin can. I'm like, holy Christ, Hogan's gonna give juice right away. So that was amazing. And like I say, it was the sound of it falling out of his hand where I'm like, what the, Jesus, like, it was real. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Paul Orndorff had a really awesome karate chop thrust with the point of his fingers uh, upward strike to the throat that he uh, makes Hogan just look like he can't breathe, like he's ah. crushed his esophagus, so he's got this thrust chop. This ref, do you know who this guy is? Because he's we'll fucking ars- awesome. Yeah, I don't remember who he, I mean, there, I, yeah, when I watch him, I wasn't like, oh, that's blah blah blah. You know, Fuck, man. It was like the arguments between Orndorff and this ref were like some courtroom drama where, like, uh, <laughs> you will come to order. They're like, hey, it's cold courts out of order. You're out of order. Like, it's fucking awesome. Let me just, like, this, this, I don't know his name, this ref, but this is a point about where he, like, steps in and starts to, to shine this ref because uh, Hogan's like, oh, my throat, he's like, can't breathe and yeah. and uh, I think the ref says uh, what does he say I'm tired of warning you or I'm tired of warning you 
you're sick, sick. He's either sick or tired. He's like, I'm sick of warning you, Orndorff. I'm the official. I'll send you back to the dressing room. And then, like, and, hope, and Orndorff's just staring at him and growling, but he's not backing down. He's getting right in his face. And you're like, you know, those three separate beats, you know, That's like, right. no more of this shit. I'm you will go back to the dressing room. Orndorff needs uh, Cal Rudman as the ref here so he could have uh, some little, you know, yeah. help backup. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Now, Hogan has a funny way of looking for a tag in his singles matches. You know, he's like appealing to the crowd for help. Well, I, this uh, is, I, I didn't make a lot of notes of this match. This is one I did, though. It's like <laughs> he's, doing, he's doing the Ricky Morton. He's right. like, he's crawling on his stomach, looking at people in the audience and reaching to them. Like, yeah, you know, reaching, like, yeah. Help, help me. Yeah. <laughs> help me. Yeah. And he's got that, like, he does, you, you know, maybe we haven't been giving Hogan a lot of the love uh, lately or much ever on this show, but, you know, this is a fucking great match. Yeah. And, there's, yeah, you know, sure. this is. This is if if you have no Hogan, you have no fucking great match. So he's the, the you know that that look. He looks like he's crying, sweating. You know, needs help. You know, it's like it's yeah. like the sweat tears are running down his face as he's trying to you know survive the assault. It, it, it really pretty is very compelling. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm almost like, where's JYD? You know, so he's like, yeah, right. we're gonna hear grab them cakes, and then like he's gonna make his rush down and tag in. We get a two count. Oh, it looks like I got my order mixed up a little bit because I have argument here, which is, I think the argument is uh, Orndorff and this awesome ref yeah, because yeah. Hogan's not doing any talking, but um, those they're having words. <laughs> the ref and Orndorff, <laughs> really, really good. And there's more to come. Orndorff was great with the pointy elbow. Yes, you know. yes, he always exposed it. Yeah, like, and then like, you know, and he kind of give it a little shiny, rub, it, rub shine it up. it up, you know, and then he'd give you the point of the elbow. Yeah, he'd maybe tap it or, you know, yeah, exactly. yeah a specific way of showing it. And so he uh, drops to his knees when he delivers that, and Hogan's on his back, so it looks like he puts his pointy elbow right in his throat, and the rest on him again, and it's like, what are you going to do with that elbow? I'm second, you know, like, no more he's a point at it. What are you blah, 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 blah. And so the, it's, it's really great. Another two count, Mr. Wonderful climbs, goes to the outside and climbs up to the third rope. Uh-huh. Yes, and he delivers a punch. And then... On cue, Johnny Valiant says, I think about now you want to deliver a power driver. And then yeah. he starts calling for it, making the the, the, sim, the signal to the crowd. Yeah, you see some guys in the crowd, like oh, on the go car jump up nuts. like, yeah. Yeah, they, they want to see it. Stuff. They want the pile driver so bad. Yeah, there's a so, totally a pop. So uh, Hogan is so wounded. And Paul Orndorff picks him up by the hair and he puts his Hogan's head between his knees and his locks his arms around Hogan's waist and looks like he's about to hoist him for the pile driver, but Hogan reverses it. Orndorff goes over and lands on his butt and now Hogan is still wounded. He's, yeah, he, yeah. This, he's not, he can't, you know, recover from this beating just yet. He falls back down to his knees and then he falls down to his belly and is like hanging out over the second rope looking for the tag. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's great because Orndorff is still in control of this match. It's wonderful. It's, uh, you, you know, like his why aren't we talking about this? This should be trending. Trend this. <laughs> so, Orndorff continues the assault. He's kicking. He's choking him. He's going for the eyes. And then the ref is once more like, you know, like, ah, that's it. No more. And he's pointing to the eyes. It's like, you don't got to do that. Why are you going to do that? Orndorff, like, gets all the sweat on his hands and flicks the sweat <laughs> in his right. face. The Jesse Ventura. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
and th this ref is fucking awesome. I think this is the point where Orndorff is alternatively like turning his back and then doesn't want any like, you don't tell me what to do. And just like he's as if, you know, but the ref's still not backing down. He's like, oh, God. it's just like it's really this guy is uh, deserves a medal. Like he's when Orndorff's the champ, his first challenger is going to be this ref. Yeah, he's an unsung. The refs are often unsung heroes. This guy does a fantastic job of, you know, trying to keep Orndorff in line, like very aggressive with them. And, and, and there's a great it's just great back and forth. Orndorff's biting. So guess what? The ref's like, <laughs> Hogan manages to get a side headlock onto Paul Orndorff, but unfortunately, that can tend to set one up for a back suplex, which is exactly what happens. So Hogan just doesn't have it to do anything other than like a desperation side headlock, which wins, winds up backfiring on him. And we get another two count, but Hogan's foot is draped outside of the ring. So it's like the uh, one, two, and Third is on Paul Orndorff's yeah, shoulder yeah, telling him, hey, buddy, back, you didn't, yeah. yeah. But, like, Paul does a wonderful job of playing dumb and being like, I won! And he stands up and he's cheering, right. hooray, hooray! And, uh, you know, he starts celebrating as if he's won the belt. Yeah, hands to the sky, celebrating. Yes, indeed. This is the strangest Hulk up in Hulkamania history that I can really recall because mostly Hulk will change each time he gets a strike. right. And in this case, Paul Orndorff is off celebrating. And it's, oh, yeah, Hogan hulks up with no, no, uh, yeah, no, he doesn't need to get smacked awake. He's yeah, just, yeah. you know, he's got, he's like basically laying there, and it's like somehow Paul Orndorff celebrating that makes Hogan sit up ooh, and look around. Oh, I'm not sure if we <laughs> mentioned the tape on his ear, by the way. He had some oh, kind yeah, of injury. Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, his yeah, ear yeah. was taped up, and I guess, you know, one of these shots must be a close up because I'm picturing him sitting up and doing the, the huff face or something. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't do the Quaker Oats. Nope. You know, he just basically no, stands up and points at yeah, him. he's hanging over the top rope looking at the crowd initially yeah. with his arms over the ropes and then eventually once he's recovered enough then he turns around to you know find Paul Orndorff. Yeah and he's pointing at yeah, him yeah. and doing that kind of like that shocked look like he just got yeah. here and like Are you, really he's right there right now this is my, this is my chance really? <laughs> Should I get him? Should I get him? So it's, it's a very unusual Hulk yes. Cup. Yeah, different. So he's pointing to Paul Orndorff, who's arguing with the ref. What do you mean? I won. I'm a champion. I won. I won. <laughs> and then Hogan pulls, you know, the what Orndorff should have done earlier, which is the knee to the back, because that's how you get somebody who's got their exactly. back turned. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But this knee to the back pushes Orndorff into the ref. Ref bump. Our new hero. And so Orndorff and the ref are both done, and now Hogan is really aping it up and yeah. to the crowd, and then he's like, oh, too bad. And you yeah, don't yeah. often... I, I thought it was very weird that he is the good guy champion was like pointing at the ref and sort of almost like mocking the ref that the ref was knocked out it was kind of weird he points yeah. to like the you know or it's fine to look at orndorff and be like oh too bad but then he gestures to the ref and goes oh too bad and it's like yeah, yeah. that's pure heel you're not a hero <laughs> no i the only thing we haven't seen is, has been he hasn't done any back raking that's what you know <laughs> well, he's, yeah his his biting his eye raking his back raking <laughs> yeah we, we haven't seen any back raking this match that's right uh, uncharacteristically Vern Gagne called him up and says hey no royalty checks no back rake that's right that's my move that's right <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to charge you per move basis <laughs> and now Hogan's in his glory because this is sweet revenge revenge yeah. he is he is reenacting his betrayal the that's clothesline right. heard around the world he you know which uh, he, he basically he plays the role of Orndorff that's and right. then poor clobbered staggered stupefied Orndorff is plays the role of clobbered, staggered, stupefied Hogan. That's right. On the uh, which we you know, check out our Patreon too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the crowd's 
loving it and Hogan's loving it and I'm loving it. It's just fucking great. And uh, so sure enough, uh, what this what this uh, entails is, you know, helping your so-called friend recovered get to his feet and do it the thumbs up like i'm here i'll help you so hogan's got the mocking sarcastic thumbs up to the crowd <laughs> just like was done to him and like raising orndorff's arm in victory like you're the winner pal you know i'm with you and then you know the unsuspecting clothesline boom That's it was right. just amazing it was great like you know better than we're gonna be there are more well i'm there are more orndorff hogan matches to come oh, so, so stay many. tuned yeah um that we were gonna cover specifically because of you know our goals here on legendary wrestling obsession to cover the saturday night's main events even if we occasionally diverge from our stated That's goal right. so yeah hogan flattens orndorff in in a mock-up of the uh the big betrayal yeah and, and this is his moment this is like the glory moment the crowd is just fucking insanely happy and and it's 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 amazing yeah they're ready for this payback yeah so now Hogan gestures for the pile driver That's right. and the crowd, you know, which is what happened as well. So it's not done yet. It's not over, you know, because what happens next in the close? I mean, it's Paul Orndorff pile drives Hogan. So Hogan's going to pile drive Orndorff. However, yeah. he gets him up and then you're like, what's he waiting for? And exactly. in flies Bobby the Brain <laughs> even with a stool, <laughs> bashes Hogan in the back of the head. That's just right. as you were starting to ask, why is he? Bam. You yeah, know, it's, a, it's a tad late, but, just, it's, but yeah. it's, it's We there. forgive it. We forgive you. Yeah. Anymore, and it would have been like, eh, don't yeah, blow yeah, this, yeah. guys. You got to pile drive him now. You got to do it. <laughs> Imagine that. Like, you got to pile drive him. Oh, God. And so, and Hogan really sells like an unconscious. Oh, yeah. You know. Knocked out. Yeah, Ronnie Garvin, Ric Flair. <laughs> okay, not that bad. So. Hogan is uh, <laughs> epically uh, stunned, and the ref is still unconscious. That's right. Orndorff goes for the cover, and he gets what, if you add it all up, is probably a 12 or a 15 count. <laughs> That's right. If you count the crawling is counting. <laughs> well, Orndorff does a thing where he's crawling Hogan. Uh, sorry, Orndorff is covering Hogan, yes. and then with one and, and with one arm, he pounds the mat. Yeah. But, of course, Hogan's got to pay attention because eventually the, there will be a ref to count right. that one he's got to take seriously. So you can see him turn his head at one point so that he can be like, well, who the hell's counting that? <laughs> you know, he needs to know. Because <laughs> Orndorff does one, two, three, yeah, yeah. and he does one, two, three, and then he does one, two, and then he goes to grab the ref and say, come on, get over. And you know the cra- yeah. the ref starts crawling over, and then he crawls his way over to Hogan and Orndorff. And the ref raises his hand. It comes down once. It comes down <laughs> twice. It comes down a third time, and Hogan hasn't moved. <sighs> But it's come down on Paul Orndorff's shoulder, not on on the the mat mat marking a pin. But Paul Orndorff is playing dumb, so he gets up and he thinks he's won the belt and Bobby the Brain is collect. That's right. The gold is in Bobby the Brain's hand and he wraps it around Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff's waist. And he gets to pause with that magnificent body, that wonderful body. He has got the gold around the WWF Championship strapped on and he's posing and celebrating like he's the new champion. And it is is this is his greatest moment. <laughs> I'm going to say. It's pretty This awesome. is probably the greatest moment of career. What a look. Oh, hey, yeah. Looks fantastic. And then they give him the glory of battering Hogan while wearing the belt. That's right. He's wearing Hogan's belt and he gets to kick him like five or six times and Hogan doesn't get up. No Hulk up, <laughs> no retaliation. He's just schooling him. He's showing him who's boss. That's right. Wearing the gold. And man, nobody gets that privilege. Like, it's just fantastic. So, 
I just wonder if you have folks, if you can tell me another a higher point of Paul Orndorff's career, please write in. And That's tell right. us what you think uh, matches or surpasses this moment in the career of Paul, right. Mr. Wonderful. Legendary Wrestling Obsession at gmail.com. Give us those details. So great. All right. Now, Finkel comes into the ring. Yeah. And the camera's too close because what you get to see is some really bad acting. Like he kind of waves his hand like he's trying to explain the ref is, you know, unconscious. Okay, let me get the 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 order right here. So yeah, the 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 ref does a one, two, three. The ref doesn't take any more damage, but he is super damaged. Yeah. So he just kind of falls and collapses into the corner. Paul Orndorff celebrating and I don't think he's attacked he probably hasn't attacked Hogan necessarily yet, more posing and celebrating while Finkel comes in and uh what's important to note or rather interesting to note is that Finkel's face is not acting but he's doing big grand you know <laughs> he's, he's acting for 70,000 people not for a close-up that's right it's yeah. <laughs> like you can see that yeah anyway it's a botch it's a Finkel botch <laughs> where he's uh kind of asking the ref what am I supposed to say what's going on what happened instead it's body acting and and like he doesn't actually say anything and so a bit of a poor acting job by the Fink yeah, and I, then I, I kind of didn't notice it. So, yeah, but even yeah, if you look at it, I'm sure you catch it. Yeah. And then on the microphone, Howard Finkel announces that here is your winner by disqualification, uh, Hulk Hogan. And then Orndorff no. is furious and he gives Finkel a shove, but he's already <laughs> on the apron. So he doesn't actually have to take a bump. He just kind of it allows wonderful to look as angry as he is. Paul Orndorff is furious. And, and so as we said, he's, he's still wearing the belt and he's giving right. Hogan the beats. Yeah. And it's just, it's fantastic. After F Howard Finkel says, Hulk Hogan, Johnny V's so funny. He's like, Hulk Hogan? Why would he say Hulk Hogan? As if it's like the <laughs> yeah. last thing you could possibly ever. <laughs> so now Johnny V's in full gear. And he's like, by the end of the match, he's pretty funny. Or the end of the card, I should say. Paul Orndorff takes off the belt to smash it into Hogan's yeah, head. that's what I want. I want to see that big belt smash. That's right. This is after a few kicks and boots that we talked about. So Hogan, unfortunately, blocks the belt blow. Yep. He kicks Paul Orndorff. He clotheslines him. He gives him a whip. And he gives him the big boot. But thankfully, Orndorff doesn't have to take a pin. He yeah. just like gets knocked out <laughs> of the ring. Over, so yeah, he yeah. Just gets knocked out of the ring. Yeah. Hogan's pausing. Uh, or, sorry, posing. And Orndorff goes for one more sneaky oh, shot from behind. He yeah. came back and hit him again. I thought it was the greatest. Yeah, clobbers him once. And then Hogan turns around, looks at him all mean. And Orndorff's like, oh, he like <laughs> thinks better of it. And then he bails. Hogan's in the ring, you know, taunting Orndorff. And then he's doing the whole, like, you know, begging him, please, get on his knees, hands clasped together, please come back in. He wants a one, two, three, and he's pimping the crowd. And uh, and they cut away. And uh, this is, you know, certainly one of the best Hogan matches. And and I'm going to say the highlight of Orndorff's career is like, yeah, that was fucking awesome to see him wearing the gold. Yeah, it was super great. I mean, like, I, I can understand why they didn't let him do the belt shot because a big crowd like this, they want to send him home happy. And if if Orndorff literally leaves him laying and doesn't let him pose, it's kind of not really in the WS playbook, you know? Yep, that was the big event. And damn, I didn't realize just how awesome it was. I knew of it, and I watched a few. When, in the YouTube era, I went back and saw the main event, this match, and thought it was great. But then analyzing it, I see that it is a masterpiece. Yeah, the tape ends with this sweeping music, which we will hear now as we talk. And it's like, you know, it's like, and what I'm trying to remember is if I think this music played at the end of several different Coliseum videos, not just this one, but it's pretty cool. Like, it's, uh, 
it's a good way to, for them to end. And they show highlights from all the different matches, and they, they run the credits. <laughs> and that's always sometimes neat. This one doesn't have a good example, but I mean, NWA specifically would always be great because you could always, when you were in the know, you would see names of people that you knew that were in the credits and stuff like that. And, but there you go. Like, I actually kind of hope that the WWF would actually have like a extended version, right? Like this is a two hour tape. Like maybe, you know, they have more footage than this, right? So maybe there would be like a three hour or two hour, two and a half hour version of this, you know, card where there isn't edits and maybe there's some more interviews or something like that. But they just seem too lazy to be able to actually release the stuff they have. Like they have it, but they won't give it to us. Chris, you change your ways. Okay, that wraps up this event, but we're not done. we got a couple more minutes to talk about a few things. We'll be right back. So it's worth noting that 1986 Pro Wrestling Illustrated Feud of the Year, Hogan versus Paul Orndorff. Ah, I don't think I had that issue, but they got it right. They deserved it, for sure. Unless Mama Cornette weighed in there and, you know, cooked the books. <laughs> Okay, so something really important happened to me in the summer of 1986 with my wrestling journey, and that was the release of an arcade game. So the summers I would spend out at my, at my lake, at the cabin with my parents and stuff like that, and this actually was the, first, the last summer before I started working. So I, this is the last summer that I spent like you know all summer at the cabin, and there was two arcades near our cabin. So there was a place called Grand Marais, which isn't too far away from our, our beach, and we'd drive there in about 10 minutes or something, and... Uh, probably about twice a week, my mom would take me and my brothers over to this arcade, and you know we wouldn't get that much money, maybe $3 worth of quarters or something, and I'd been to this arcade so many times, and it was a really old-school arcade. It had, like, what's called Playland. It had, like, carnival-style games there, too. It looked like it had been built, like, in the 60s or something, you know, but it started, of course, having all the, all the new arcade machines, the Pac-Mans, the this, the whatever, but I'm walking down the aisle, and I see the side of this unit, and I see wrestling, like, images on the side of this cabinet. And I come around to the front, and there's nobody playing it. I'm just watching the demo, you know, like the, the, the insert coin. And my jaw just drops. So this game is called Exciting Hour. And I, when I look into it now, it was also called Mat Mania Challenge. So many people who've heard, listening to this probably know about this, but some of you may not. And it was just the greatest game. So the main player, your player you're playing, is he's just referred to as you <laughs> in the Looks game. Like Tommy Rogers. Yeah, that's right. But later on, you find out that his actual proper name was uh, to- was Tommy Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, well, that's and, interesting. And he basically was, you know, in many ways, based off of the Dynamite Kid. So I thought that was really cool. And so you would play through this game, and you had to defeat several foes. And if you did, you'd become the champion, and then you'd have to defend the, the belt against them. So... There's just to go through it. The insane, it was supposed to be warrior, but it's actually misspelled. It's insane warrior. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he looks a lot like animal. He's got the long the pants. He's got, well, he's, he, you're right. The body looks more like hawk, but he's got the mohawk. He's got the animal hair. Okay. So it's kind of a combination of the two. All right. Yeah. Cause they had distinct physiques. For sure. Absolutely. The second character. But certainly he was a road warrior. Yeah. 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 No doubt about it. The second character was the karate fighter, and he was had this shaggy long hair that kind of covered most of his face. And you have to imagine these graphics, they're like ColecoVision style, like really cartoony 8-bit style. I love it. I mean, you look at modern wrestling games, and I don't care. I don't want to watch something that looks like I'm watching a TV show. I want to watch my little cartoon guys beat each other up. That's, you know, that's what I'm into. So then the, the third character was like probably the toughest, was Coco Savage, and he's basically based on the character, the wrestler Bobo Brazil. Then you have the Piranha, which was somewhat based on Mil Mascaris look-wise, but he had all these cheaty moves. He, you know, like he thumbed you in the throat and he bit you and all this kind of stuff. 
and then your champion was he was initially called Blues Bloody. Later, the game was repackaged and he was called the Golden Hulk. But he's more based on Bruiser Brody. But then they switched it so he'd be based more on Hogan. But they didn't have to switch anything because Bruiser also used a leg drop. <laughs> but he got the shaggy boots. And it was, so it was pretty neat. So you'd play through this thing. And it's, like, it's a joystick. It's two buttons. It's, like, it's simple, right? Like Jeff and I can remember renting video games, you know, even in the early 2000s, let's say. And let's say you got to do 100 different button combinations to do a body slam or something, right? It's, yeah. The simplicity of this game was ten, the beauty. Ten things you can press on a modern yeah, controller. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? So, like, I'm going to tell you <laughs> if, like, some company out there could get the rights to WF and get Golden Era wrestlers and just, just give me this game. With like Two six, with like I'll take six because you could just add more moves. But the simplicity of it, like, right. like don't make it hard. Just make it the way it works. It's beautiful. And then give me like sixty golden era like classic wrestlers, all little cartoon dudes, and I'm in, man. I just like I'll take my money. I'm <laughs> I'm there. Yeah. yeah. So another neat thing about this game was the crowd. The original versions of the crowd had all these sort of famous like Hollywood <laughs> things in it. So and, and other video game characters. Yeah, characters. So you got Superman, Batman, and Robin. You got ZZ Top. <laughs> you got Popeye, like the alien from the movie Alien. Stevie Wonder, uh, John Travolta from like his Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> you got uh, the Jackson Five. The Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, because Ghostbusters was popular at the time. <laughs> wow. You got Darth Vader and Leah. Leia, and then and one I didn't really realize until I looked into it, Barry Gibb, who Jeff has brought oh. up on our show before. So. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> so then they did a second version of this game called Mania Challenge, which actually had a two-player version you could play against your buddy. And so the second character looked exactly like the first one, just different colored trunks, and he was called Hurricane Joe. And the only thing they did is they added a couple of defensive moves. So you could do an atomic drop and a back suplex when somebody had you in a headlock. You could, like, reverse things. And that was really cool. And they added a drop kick, which is some of your opponents had in the first game, but you was you didn't have. You could go to the top rope, but only in the top two corners. You couldn't go to the top rope on the bottom two corners of the game. Like, it just had certain things about it, just certain charm. But for, like... 19 it was released in 1985 the game was so like the high quality of it like nothing ever matched it like i always waited with nintendo and playstation i always wanted this game and never got it you know i never got it it was such a piss off the pro wrestling game that came out for nintendo was sort of like a spiritual successor to this but it's not as good as this this game was so great and i remember like some guy told us some older kid told us that if you win 100 matches you would fight you'd un- unleash the secret character of the hamburger which is like this giant like sort of king kong bundy character but it, that, he just made that up <laughs> <laughs> the hamburger yeah so that was like that first summer i just got to play it in the summer and then i had to wait all winter to play it again so i played it the next summer summer of 87 played it like crazy and then in september of 1987 we were going by the community center that i live near my friend grant that i got my video my first saturday night's man event videotape from he would go there to play some random video game they had one arcade machine in in the, in the community center just one at a time and he was going to play this game and i would just go with him and watch him play and one day we go in to go play and his game's not there but mine is <laughs> and it was great so for like a few months i got to like on the way home from school every day i would stop and like you know i'd play and like i was a little kid so i wasn't the greatest at playing the game but i could get five or six matches out of it i could usually like maybe win the belt and defend it once or something but uh and the game would just get progressively harder if you knew the tricks you could play the game forever because there was like there was these simple little things you could do that were yeah. just you know hacks but, but i didn't know that <laughs> right did you ever see that game of course oh yeah yeah i um loved it i don't uh, think there's anything that you missed it was a great game and uh, yeah 
25 cents will take you away for a few minutes. When we get down the road, we can come back and revisit some of those WFRK games and some of the other stuff. But uh, for this week, that was it. Exciting hour. Mania Challenge. Loved it. Okay, so listen to these words on how you can follow and uh, keep up with our show. Right, so there's a few ways you can follow us or get a hold of us. wanted to pass that along and make sure it's clear what to do. So if you have any stories, any thoughts, any feelings you want to pass along, please email us at legendarywrestlingobsession at gmail.com. And of course, we really want people to go over to Patreon, where they can eventually find episodes 2 and 3 of our Growing Up AWA. We'll be there on Patreon. And to get there, you're going to have to type in patreon.com forward slash legendary wrestling obsession patreon is spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com and if you're having trouble or anyone's having trouble finding our podcast send them over to legendary wrestling obsession dot podbean dot com and that's where you'll find our episodes it's the quickest place they load the fastest way to listen to us talk about wrestling what he said but that's gonna wrap us up for this week we're, what's uh next week we're gonna be getting on to saturday's main event the october 1986 edition where we've got Another look at this Paul Orndorff Hogan feud. There's a big title match on Saturday night's main event. Any quick memories without you know without actually re- actually you did rewatch it, so I'm, I'm kind of cheating yeah, here. Yeah, well I uh, did record this one when I was 14 as I had a look at the match, the main event, because of course you know they lead with the main the yeah. main yeah. the main event starts the Saturday night's main event. It immediately went straight to my core memory bank, you know, and dusted off some of these old synapses <laughs> where I was like, I know what happens next. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's a great show. So next week, we're going to be doing the setup for that show. We're going to be looking at some stuff from the summer that we didn't cover yet. It's going to be a bulldog heavy episode, and I will not apologize for that. <laughs> and we'll be getting ourselves ready to watch in two weeks from now the, uh, the Saturday Night's Mid event. I think that's going to be it for this week. Yes, let's watch Bulldogs matches where they don't get their asses kicked, <laughs> yes. but rather they kick I think, ass. Yeah, I think the Volkov Sheik match is an anomaly, and I don't know of any other ones that I ever watched that were like that. So, okay, thanks for joining us. We're going to say a special thanks to those people in Arizona. We got a bunch of listeners in Arizona recently in July for some reason. The numbers have just been spiking, so we're, we're huge in Arizona for some reason. Woo. Got a lot of fans in Ontario. Thank you, that. And of course, Manitoba locally here. But all over the world, you're seeing people pop up. So, spread the word, getting more people listening to the show. Okay, that's going to do it. Take care. Thank you for listening.